Hello and welcome to the In the Can podcast. Uh, yet again, I am Devin and I'm here with James and Tom. And we are back in the basement, pretending we're important and, uh, you know, watching more movies. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Yourself? Good. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Can't really complain. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend at almost midnight Sunday night. Uh, <laughs> our time is all over the place for when we record these. <laughs> That's I'd, true. I'd love to choose a day and a time and record at that time, but somehow it's 11.30 at night and we're recording a podcast. Yep. I blame the box office. <laughs> I'm just going to wait until uh, the end of this and say, man, it's 2 in the morning. Get out of my house. Go home. <laughs> Pretty much. But it'll be another endgame length one. Oh, I hope not. Hopefully not. <laughs> uh, I'll be surprised. Before we get into like this week, we are going to be talking about musicals. Yeah, that's... Today's theme. Uh, if you haven't read the title, that's somewhere on screen if you're looking at the screen. Though it's an audio podcast, so while you're looking at a screen, I'm not sure. But yeah. Um, anyway, movies that came out this, this, like following or previous weekend are Aladdin, which anyone see it? I did. I guess I did back in 1993. Yeah. I remember that. I, I saw that movie. And I saw um, the animated one. I have not seen this new one, and I'm not sure if I will. I'll go and see it eventually. It's not high on my list. Uh, haven't got around to it yet. I have not seen it. I kind of want to, but also, too, I fear seeing it because I'm afraid it's going to take away from my love of the animated one. I don't think it'll do that. It'll, I'll just be reminded too much of it. I'm, I'll probably catch it when it comes on syndication. The whole, uh, I don't want to see it because it'll tarnish my memory of the old one. It's the same reason why I don't really have an issue with remakes. You still have the original, and if you want to w- go watch the original, just watch the original. I'm with you on that. That's why I said it, it'll more just remind me of the other one, and I want to go watch it instead. Yeah, like when I've, I've seen uh, Let the Right One In's remake, uh, Let Me In. It's a it's a fine movie, nothing amazing, but the original is phenomenal. So it's one of those that I'll always just say, go watch the original, or Girls Dragon Tattoo if you like the if you like the American one, go see the original. It's equally as good. Different movie, but yeah, still. The other movie that came out that we haven't seen is Booksmart. Aside from you guys mentioning it last week, I legitimately have no idea what's about. Uh, I believe it's like high school teen high school seniors trying to get laid. Oh. But they're both female, so it's a little bit different than, like, American Pie. I don't know. It, it looks fun, but I'll probably end up, if it comes to a film festival, I'll see it. If not, I'll, I'll probably not catch it. Not my kind of genre, then. But the big movie that I know we've all seen this week is Brightburn. Yep. And, yeah, uh, Evil Superman. <laughs> evil Clark Kent. Well, Smallville, except <laughs> everything goes to shit. So it's like, yeah, yeah. American Horror Story Smallville. That's not a bad way of phrasing it. Yeah, kind of, yeah. It's like season 10 when they run out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing that I have to say about this one is that it seemed incredibly short. I mean, it is only an hour and a half long, but even so, like... It sped through. It, yeah, it really did kind of just yeah. speed through everything. There's... Something to be said of possibly an extra 15, 20 minutes of showcasing, not having that beginning five minutes and just showcasing an average day before things start going downhill. But on the other hand, I liked what was there that was nice, small, concise, and got to its points. He did 
go evil pretty quick. Yeah. And I think that's more because the ship was talking. That's what's heavily like, implied. Oh, uh, okay. So the ship's going, hey, kill them all. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, it basically, it's basically what would happen if Goku hadn't knocked his head and turned good. Yeah, or I think it's basically, if Zod landed here instead of Superman. Yeah. On the whole, it was creepy. Yeah, like, I the it. creepy parts definitely hit home. And there was a surprising amount of humor for what the, for what it was. Yeah. I, the uncle, especially. The uncle, the dad, had a lot of good humor. And there's a lot of... I mean, it is a brutal movie at times. So oh, damn. They used uh, the gore correctly. Yeah. It wasn't over... It didn't overstay its welcome, but yeah. when it popped up, it definitely made you feel something. The scene that they kind of... Sh- they, they had a few trailers that were just scenes from the movie. And one of them was the scene in the diner with the uh, the waitress that gets the the broken uh, fluorescent tube to the eyeball. Oh it's, my god! I had a hard the, time watching that. Like, I didn't. I've seen it. Be- I've seen the scene before, and I was like knowing what to expect. I love the way they end up shooting it with the the whole left side of the screen red. That was and cool. Kind of hiding in the blood. I'm like that. That's pretty cool. Um, and like I like the fact that it seemed like the the final hit was the the sound was off, but he was just going fast on the speed of sound. You heard a crack, and you couldn't tell if it was he, from... He hits, and then you hear the crack. Because he hit her faster than the speed of light, or oh, speed of sound. Which is and technically how it would work. Yeah, and I, I'm like, that, that kind of stuff was cool. Yeah. The only other thing, I won't say who, but someone gets turned to paste. Yeah. And boy, that was, that was kind of whoa. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have seen... Um, a little bit more of like the how he came up with the design for his costume, I, like where it came from, that kind of thing. Like I know where the 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 fabric itself came from, right? And uh, the shoelace that he tied, kind of to make it look. He reminded me of a character from Star Wars, like the the one droid that fixes up Luke on Hoth. Mm. Like, the big eyes and then that kind of, like, almost old-school... The medical zipper? Door. Yeah. Like an old-school uh, microphone. For yeah, the they're, they're the... It mic- kind of had that look to it. Those are the medical so, droids, yeah. Yeah. It kind of looked like one of those, just evil. It looked disturbing, especially once his eyes started glowing. Oh, yeah. I thought... Like, the kid was great. The... Mm. the oh, yeah. The, the, the kid yeah. who played Brandon nailed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jackson A. Dunn or something like Jackson that. Jackson Dunn, I want to say, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he has um, a middle initial in there, I think. Yeah. It does not matter. <laughs> but yeah, no, he... I think he did a brilliant job. Um, I think a lot of the actors did a brilliant job. I didn't I didn't really disbelieve anything that was going Some on. Some of the other kid actors were a little like... Mm, that's kids. Like, the girl that he has a little crush on was surprised... Like, yeah, she was freaked out, but she was surprisingly calm. This dude that, like... Effortlessly broke her hand and then snuck into. I the think house. what it was was like, she was too scared mm. to make a whole lot of noise. Yeah, yeah. Caitlin Connor, I think, is the character's name. I don't know. I, don't I know. wanted. I, I want to say that's right. I think it was but, Caitlin, but I don't know the last name. But yeah, it, Connor because her <clears throat> her mother, Erica Connor. That's right. But who was the waitress? Yeah, the movie had some some unneeded jump like fake out jump scares, like him him jumping out of hay bale and going, "Hey, you know," and it's that. <laughs> ties into the the horror genre, and that's something I was hoping they'd kind of avoid. I will say, so. when they did 
use those kind of stuff later on. Oh, there was payoff. Yeah, like him bursting through the house. And that was... Like, there's various things that you see in the trailers. And it's one of those that if you've seen the trailers, it gives away a little bit too much. Right, I mean, like, there were certain, like, callbacks from earlier in the film that I didn't mind. Like, the jump scare thing. I mean, it is a callback. Yeah. I mean, even just the smaller things. I, I Overall, I thought it was a, a, a good movie. Uh, I after one watch, I solidly give it an eight out of ten. Um, I would like to go back and see it again. Uh, that score probably would change, maybe go down a little bit. Overall, I, I I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. I probably give it about a seven seven point five. I have no desire to see it again because horror is not really my genre, and there was definitely some parts in there where just no for me. On the whole, I'd like to see more of the like. I mean, I know everyone, like, all the news keeps talking about the new mutants, and God knows I'd want that. It'll eventually come out. Yeah, Maybe. when? 2030? When yeah. we're 60. Yeah. 2030. Uh, we're not that old. Yeah. Um, oh, well, we're getting there. I did it. like that we got some tease of potential sequels, like, oh, did you see the fish man and all this? And it's like, that's cool. I love that that was... Go ahead. Yeah, Michael Rucker doing a favor for his friend James the Gun. Crazy, crazy vlogger Lex Luthor, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'll hand it to the brothers. Uh, gun. The brother or the the cousin's gun. Um, I don't yeah. remember which ones these are. It's none of the ones that you'd recognize. Brian and was it Mark and Sean? I think it was Mark. That was a Brian. Uh, it, whichever it was, it was not Sean Gun. That's the that's the brother that plays in person Rocket. Oh, okay. Then that um, should be. Then I, yeah, I could be right, Brian. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, they they took a trope there. They took like an interesting what if story, made a, de- and then the got a decent director and made a decent story. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the director who Yara, usually gets Yarovsky, Yara yeah, who gets shafted to the side because everyone's concerned with James Gunn, who only produced it. Yeah, he produced it. Without James Gunn, yeah, the movie wouldn't have been made. But it's also on a like a string shoe budget. Yeah. That was like a seven, se- mil. seven mil, and I've seen I've seen like multi like tens of million movies that don't have as good special effects that this one had. Yeah, like there's one or two times where it's like obviously they had to have special like had to have CG and the like. Yeah. but on the whole, very solid movie that was really surprised to see for only seven mil. Yeah. Which seems to have made back that budget at least. I don't know how much. It'll it's probably make to. its budget. It's an R-rated kind of more obscure horror movie, so I can see where it'll make its budget. Yeah, and it came out right before Memorial Weekend, so it came out against Aladdin. Aladdin. That's the biggest did, kind of in this weird period between blockbusters. It did, but also too like it's like Memorial Day weekend, so like even so, like most people, if they're not up north, at least in the state of Michigan, um, or doing something of the like, like college students are probably back from school, so they're going to be old, they're old enough to go see these R-rated films, so they're probably going to go do that. And I know from the first trailer, I was interested as hell with this one, because it looked fairly solid, and yeah. that's exactly what I got. I got a solid horror movie that sometimes dipped a little too into the predictable and tired cliches of horror. On the whole, left me very creeped out, very satisfied with the experience, and the ending didn't go the way I thought it would, and I'm happy for that. Yeah, I, I liked the ending. 
I always yeah. like when it kind of subverts what you think it's going to do. I would have liked to have seen more from that, but, you know, hey. I'm guessing we'll probably get a sequel. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. I can't say I'd be disappointed if it falls in the same band. I think, I think it probably would have gotten a little bit more, more money, had a little bit more legs if it came out in, like, September. I won't disagree. Not quite, like, steering clear of It Chapter 2 that's coming out. But kind of in that general area, you get so maybe like end of August instead. Yeah, end of August into September, October. You know, before Halloween. Yeah, uh, you would have gotten the the Halloween crowd. You would have gotten because there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, comic book movies because Marvel's taking a break after Far From Home. Uh, I can definitely Fox see this probably off. doing. I can definitely see this probably doing well on a DVD and Blu-ray sales. Yeah, yeah. I definitely see this being kind of like Evil Dead, where it's like. Some people see it in theaters, but a lot it's like, oh, that was cool. Oh, they've got the Blu-ray out. I'm gonna pick that up and watch it. Yeah. Or I see I see it on Netflix or something. And I can see the home release scene being where it picks up a good chunk of money. Yeah, I think it'll it'll do decent. So. Yeah, because I mean, by the time it comes out on Blu-ray, it should be right around that end of August, September. October. Yeah. They'll probably push out in September, October to capitalize on if they're smart. Yeah, because it usually comes out about what ninety days after box office, something like that. Depends. Depends on the movie. Something like this will probably be a little bit faster. Yeah, so, so. and I'm still waiting on like Captain Marvel on DVD or on I say DVD, but it's more digital nowadays. But well, that's because uh, World. of uh, Disney Plus. They're waiting to. They're yeah. going to have it come out um, at the same time Disney Plus releases. Alita Battle Angel should be right, right around the corner. Here. Disney's waiting to screw us on one more subscription money. Well, it's only seven ninety nine or six ninety nine a month. That's so how it starts. Or $7 for the year. 12, so. But, yeah, moving on We're from... $70 for the year. Moving on from Brightburn. Um, movies that are coming out this week. Uh, Ma, another kind of weird horror one. Octavia Spencer as a stalker. That looks weird. I yeah. won't lie. I definitely bought the whole thing of her starting off nice, and then as the trailer goes on, it's like, "What in the hell is this?" And it actually made you me. You don't want to hang out with me anymore? Like, <laughs> no, okay. no, I don't. No, I don't. I don't, I'm, I don't like this. <laughs> what happens when the soccer mom goes bad? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's not a bad way of phrasing it. I like Octavia Spencer, so I'm I'm curious yeah. to see where this goes. Yeah, I've always liked her in all of her work, so. Yeah. The, the other one, the probably the big one, is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And I think that's kind of that's kind of all you really got to say, is yeah. that Resignites uh, resigns I. I'm expecting to have some fun monster on monster punching, and then the, uh, the ace in the hole of atomic breath into someone's face. We've said it before, I'm, exp- I'm hoping for about 10 minutes of exposition, 40 minutes of Godzilla getting his ass kicked, and then training montage in 30 minutes of him just whooping everything. And then Ken Watson always saying, they are fighting. Yeah. <laughs> and we get to see uh, Godzilla go John Wick on him. Um, that's fine with me. Uh, Kill him with a book in a library? Yes. Uh, but no, hey, I, another severed job. Anyway. <laughs> I personally think that the movie is probably going to be just a little bit too busy because of how much they seem to be packing into it from they're the trailers. Packing, they're packing all the old monsters. The only one we, all, we aren't seeing are the mecha versions, and that's only because they probably don't have enough time to animate just, them. Just wait for the sequel. I'm sure there'll be a sequel. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know how long the movie is because I haven't really looked into it. I think but, it's about two hours. Okay. Yeah. I think if it was a two-and-a-half-hour film, they could probably do 
all of this and it not feel too, too rushed. But with two hours, I think it's going to be really rough for it to not feel, like, super rushed. I think it'll be fine. Uh, it has enough in it that it'll probably still, like, it'll be fun from start to finish. But at a certain point, it'll be like, okay, Godzilla's not going to die. They need to do Godzilla versus King Kong. So there's not going to be any real threat. I'm not all that worried or care about the, the human characters. They killed Brian Cranston in the first one, so I'm like, yeah. well, that was I'm a poor sorry. move. That was a very I mean, they poor still have move. Ken Watanabe around, so I mean, like, I'm fine with that. I really liked him. I enjoy him as an actor. They don't the ever use him. Hmm. Mm. Like, I love uh, uh, Millie Bobby Brown, but okay, cool. Yeah. I love Zhang Ziyi, but nobody really even notices she's in this movie. I love the guy who plays Tyrion, or Tywin Lannister, but, I mean, I don't know his name. He's just the guy that plays Tywin Lannister. I love, what, Kyle Chandler. I think he's a good actor, but, uh, okay, he's he's going to die pretty Are quick. you talking about Charles Dance? I don't know, the guy... The, the guy father. From, from uh, Friday Night Lights? I don't know, the father of... The, oh, uh, The maybe father of Lannister, right? The one who the, that's, on the toilet? That's uh, Tywin Lannister. Um, yeah. No, the, the guy who played the dad in um, Friday Night Lights. Kyle Chandler. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, we can't even keep who the characters are straight. Yeah, and it's there's just a bunch of people. I'm like, well, these are cool. Uh, they got... Uh, the the woman whose name I should remember, um, who's in um, uh, Sound of Water, or Shape of Water. Oh, yeah. Who won the Oscar for Shape of Water. Something uh, foreign, probably. Yeah. I won't lie. She's a phenomenal actress. I'm... I'm looking at this and I find Vera myself. Amiga. What? She's also in that. Is in here? Yeah. I find myself. Sally Hawkins. Sally Hawkins. Yeah. I find myself looking at this and being less excited at seeing it than the prospect of going back to Godzilla 2000 and just ripping on it for how bad it was. The Matthew Broderick one. I'd rather go back and watch that because it's so stupid. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that more of an interesting prospect than seeing this one in movies, uh, in the film. I mean, David Strathairn's still back in this one. Uh, he played the Admiral in the first one. Okay, I don't remember him. Um, yeah, that's kind of like the first Godzilla. I, mean, I remember that... Was he Brian Cranston? No? Okay. No, he was, like, was the one... Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were a couple, so that was a thing. That's that's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> and also really and then weird. In King Kong, uh, Loki, and Captain Marvel. You know, yeah. Uh, Charles and, Dance uh, yeah, was is in here. Tyler Lannister. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Nick Fury was in um, uh, that as well. So yeah. this whole world is just like, hey, let's just grab these random Marvel characters. Let's grab big them. actors because we sure as hell don't have a plot to go with this. Pretty much. Let them fight. They don't even have, like you said last week, they don't even have new goddamn monsters. It's Battle Royale monsters. I'm seeing monsters that I saw when I was six on the old school movies. Well, now we've got new CGI. And it's worse. Uh, CGI, to me, looks better than some of those the stupid old movies. Yeah, but you know as well as I do, you're not going to see Godzilla dropkick a, mon- a three-headed monster, and that's that yeah, makes me might. sad. We might see him impale one of the heads on his back spikes. Okay, you know what? That'd be pretty cool. But I still, doubt it. But we might. That would be pretty cool. That'd be that'd be awesome. But because it's awesome, they're not gonna do it. Yeah. Sadly. But that's the big one. But 
of the th- three, the, you said? Of the three, the one that's kind of tying in with this week's theme is Rocket Man. Uh, yeah. So, Bohemian Rhapsody, now with Elton John. Now with more glam, and, more glam than Liberace would shake a stick at. Yeah. I, 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 I'm looking, I'll see it, but it's also one of those that if I miss it, I'm not going to be all that broken up. Yeah. As far as I know, Liberace didn't get knighted. I'm just saying. Uh, you know what? You got me there. <laughs> you, you got me there. I'm sorry. I will say, of the three of them, the only one I'm really kind of interested in is Ma. And I said before, horror isn't exactly my genre. Yeah, I'll, I'm curious to see all three. I'll probably see uh, Godzilla. I'll probably get around to Rocky Man at some point. But, again, that's... It feels like it should have came out like December last year and been an Oscar contender, and they realized it wasn't, and they're like, "Eh, I throw it in my." Yeah, I could see it for Rocket Man. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, I of the three, I think that's probably the one I'm most looking forward to, but that's because I really like Taron Egerton and Elton I, John music. I, I like Elton John music. I mean, that's what my parents listened to when I was a kid. It's what I grew up listening to. So I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, I mean, like so. I, for me, this is really cool. Plus, I really liked um, seeing how Elton John and Taron Egerton played off of each other in Golden Circle. Um, yeah, Kingsman. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, I, I'm intrigued to see how he translates his acting into portraying Elton John. Yeah, and honestly, the only Elton Johns I can think of are Rocket Man, the title, and... Benny and the Jets. I hate that song with a passion. You know, Tony, Tony Danza. <laughs> tiny dancer. Yeah, tiny dancer. Yeah. Everyone hears it. It's hard not to hear it. Yeah, someone pointed that out, and I'm like, well, I always heard tiny dancer, but nope, it's Tony Danza. Yep. It is real hard not to hear that. <laughs> Who's the boss? That's all I gotta ask. Who's the boss now? <laughs> but in but yeah, that I am vein. the boss now. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Somali pirate who hasn't done another movie since Captain Phillips. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, I'm no longer the captain now. Uh, but yeah, uh, Rocket Man, arguably a musical. Yeah, yeah. If you call Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man, if we don't call those musicals, I need to move a few of mine around. But <laughs> no, I mean, I, those are musicals. The focus is on the music and how it interacts with people's lives. I can definitely, I, I will 100% make a case more for that than some, than flipping High School Musical or Glee. I mean, with well, High School Musical, I mean, those... <laughs> Glee is definitely a damn musical. Yeah. and yeah. I enjoyed Glee. I will go on record to this thing and say, I actually really enjoyed Glee. I was also a huge theater nerd in high school, so... I very much enjoyed Glee yeah. early years. It, it um, did go downhill once they started branching out of the high school. Yeah. I'll, but I'll beyond that, that, like, High School Musical, I can get on board with it being considered a musical. To be fair, it does say musical in the title. It's kind of hard not to have that. Right. The fact that they made more than one is a terrible idea. Um, but... Usually is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, those kind of movies where the music is driving the plot, essentially, or a vehicle for the plot to move forward, I mean... We've said it's before, musical is the most, or the music is like the most important part. Yeah, yeah. The, if you don't have the music right in a musical, there's a problem. It, it almost is a character in and of itself. Actually, I would I would say it's the main character. 
I would I would have a very yeah, pretty good. I'd, I'd almost say it's the main plot device, which. Before we move too far, yes, I did watch Game of Thrones. I would give it a 7 out of 10. I'd agree. Uh, I enjoyed it. It wasn't great. wasn't terrible. Screw any of you that say say it was a <laughs> 1 or a 10. Look I at have, it critically, not just sensationalized. I have, I have no thought opinion on this because I haven't watched any Game of Thrones. I enjoy it. It is one of, if not the best series ever made. It's just a damn well-made series. That's yep. all I will say about Game of Thrones because we're movies. But I wanted yep. to get that out there and be... Maybe eventually we'll branch out. It's I not mean, a shade of 1 and 10. It, there is a spectrum of 10 numbers. Yeah, but a lot of those people are just and bitching. Not only that, but also, too, we did talk about Glee, to be fair. so Yeah, well, <laughs> Glee, the, Glee the musical, or music and concert, is a movie, so ha-ha! That, is, that is true. That is true. The, I, final, the final season of Glee is a little rough. Ah, uh, he's I, technically right. That's the best kind of right. Yeah. <laughs> I am always technically right. <laughs> Except when I go left, in which case I am left. Oh, well, haha, puns, musicals, musicals. <laughs> cool. All right, uh, we're doing top three. I have a, I'm, mine is going to be a little weird because it's I have director battling with themselves, so I'm just like screw it. I'll say both. I'll choose which one I like better. That's because that's because you're weird, Devin. Yeah, well, uh, one of these uh, might get some pushback because it's not fully always musical. <laughs> right. I mean, to be fair, the list that we're about to do are our personal. Favorites, some of our personal favorites. Um, yeah. I think yeah. our top, our personal top threes, whatever, um, as yeah. opposed to say like the top three for box office or from critical acclaim, whether it's online, whatever. So yeah. personal, uh, I will go ahead and just say personal. Some of my personal favorite ones. Yeah, I don't, I don't like ascribing the top because then it means. It kind of hints that maybe we can't talk about this again. I just want to talk about some of the ones that are in my top. Will there be a top one? Technically, yes, but... I mean, I don't see why we couldn't talk about them again. I know we talked about that before, but there's too many times that they, things cross over. These are like my my top three that I, that I will like watch and openly say I love these movies. They're also ones that I kind of want to like, hey, some of these you've never heard of, go and see them. And that's um, kind of particularly why my number three. It's a movie that's came out relatively recently, but nobody's heard of it, and I thought it was amazing. So and speaking of, yeah. uh, Tom, why don't you start right. us off? So my uh, number three uh, came out in 2012, um, PG-13. It's uh, Lame as a Rob, directed by Tom Hooper, <laughs> starring Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe, Anne Hathaway, Amanda Seyfried, Helena Bottom Carter, Sasha Baron Cohen, and Eddie Redmayne. Um, That's a lot of big names, actually. Right. I probably could have gone further, but those are the top-billed cast. Um, it was written by William Nicholson, uh, Elaine Bublil. Bou- I probably ruined Bunch that. Bunch of French names. Bunch of French people that I can't pronounce their names on. Um, it was choreographed by Liam Steele, uh, and the cinematography was done by uh, Danny Cohen. Um, I really enjoyed this film. Uh the thing that draws me to this one in particular um, for my number three is the way that the music is laced in with everything and the visuals that seem to go with it 
really draw you into the story a little bit more. You want to identify more with the characters. You can see the suffering that they go through and the emotion that's really drawn through the songs um, is apparently is apparent uh, in the faces of those people as they're performing the music, as they're acting. It's honestly one of my favorite adaptations of anything that is not a musical into a musical. Let me ask you this, Tom. I've I've not seen either the this musical variation of Les Mis or the original Les Mis or anything involving that. Mm-hmm. What would you honestly suggest if I just need if I just had five minutes or so, what song would you suggest to me that just encapsulates everything? I know what mine would be, but it uh Emotional gut punch of a song. Uh, oh gosh, um, Fantine song. Uh, I don't know the name of the song, but Anne Hathaway's song. Yeah, that she's slowly starting to sell. Like, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed a dream. Yeah, uh, that is one of the most emotional gut punch songs I've ever seen. I dreamed a dream. If you had say maybe twenty minutes to listen to music, I dreamed a dream. Look down. Uh, I'm blanking the, on the one. The one on the on the barricade. Yeah. Uh, the song of angry men. Yeah, song of angry men, and all of a sudden I'm blanking on the name of it. The one with Eddie Redmayne after the big standoff, where his oh, friends yeah. are all. Uh, friends are all dead. Yeah. Yeah. That or let him live, or let yeah, let him live, let him stay. I apologize for blanking on the names of these songs. Um, I just know that I can sing along with them when they play. This, uh, I've seen two versions of Les Mis in theaters. One was a high school version. It wasn't amazing, but they, they did a good job. It was I high was, school. I was that age where I'm like, this is great. This is, I want to do this. And then I joined theater the next year. I also saw a Broadway version of it and just, wow. And I saw the movie. And they're all different in their own way. Obviously, the High School Musical version of Les Mis, uh, not great. Was good when I was a kid. Broadway version that I saw was unbelievable. And then the movie was, I will say, this was one of those that made my li- my, my short list. My short list, again, was pretty long. But this made my short list. Um, and apart from, I'll say, Phantom of the Opera, those are the two that were like the highest actual stage stage production adaptations. So. Empty Chairs at Empty Tables yeah. is the Eddie Redmayne song. Oh, Keeper of the House. Master of the House. Master of the House. Keeper of the Keys. <laughs> it's Master Sasha of the Baron House Cohen. is such a great song. Sasha Baron Cohen and uh, uh, Helen Helena Carter. Yes. I mean... <laughs> that just sounds like a great line. Yeah. <laughs> Master of the House. ABC Cafe, Red Red and Black are, is another great song from there. The... The music from the movie is... Or the music from anything Les Mis is just phenomenal. Yes. Because so. it's very... It, it's that almost revolutionary France sort of era, isn't it? <laughs> Not almost. It is. It is. Okay, sorry. Yeah, there's my knowledge base. Yeah. I got nothing. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, <laughs> it's... <laughs> the most I know about it is it's just a poorly worded summary of French guy steals a loaf of bread and gets shit for it. Yeah. Yeah. What's the song where he's in the Abbey? And he's, like, trying to... To like, 
he's going through something emotional, and it's just in this version, it's Hugh Jackman alone walking back and forth away from the camera the whole time. And that's like the whole song. Pacing? Wow. Um, yeah. And it's him like slowly devolving and it's such a well done song. I want to say that it's Valjean's soliloquy. Probably. That sounds about right considering what soliloquy means. Yeah. It, because it's after the bishop. The bishop yeah. um, buys his life by giving him silver after right, he's yeah. already gone on parole. Yeah. Wow. After That's... spending 20 or 25, 19 years in prison for stealing a loaf of bread. Yeah. So it's old boy. <laughs> yeah. Six years <laughs> for much. six years for stealing and then the rest for trying to run away. Oh, wow. That's harsh. Yes. It is. Yeah. And that then he gets harsh. out and he's freezing cold and starving. Because nobody will let him stay at an inn because he's a parolee. And he comes to this abbey. The bishop lets him in, even though the nuns are completely like, what are you doing? This guy is a beggar. He's a a bum. There's something wrong with him. Why are you letting him in? And he's like, he's a brother. He he needs help. He's another... Godly people. Yeah, he's another creature of God. He's, He's a child of God. We need to help him. And in the night, he wakes up and goes, I can't do this, and starts stealing all of the silver from the abbey. Oh, jeez. He gets caught by the police, brought back, and they're like, he gave this story that you gave all gave him all the silver. And, oh, no, that's... And the priest, or the bishop, rather, looks at him and says, oh... But Captain, thank you for doing your job, but he's right. I did give him this. But you left so early, you also forgot these candlesticks. They're the best ones of the entire set. Why didn't you take them? Gentlemen, here's some wine. Enjoy yourselves here. And he just couldn't, can't understand this. He's like, I'm buying your soul back for you. The silver is yours. You're starting over. Go have a life and do what's right. That is that is a man of God right there. And it, the song in Valjean's soliloquy is literally him trying to make peace and understand why somebody, after him going through this entire hell for 19 years, would be willing to do something so great as to give him this silver to start a new life with and tell him, no, go. Be a, be a child of God. Be a good man. It's an exis- existential crisis. And he's literally in the middle of this, like, built uh, part of the church that's being, looks like it's being renovated. And he's near, if he had hair at this point, because it's super, like, close shaved because of be, him being just out of prison. because yeah, of the prison thing. He would have been, like, tearing his hair out going, why? Why in all that is good and right in the world would somebody be this kind to me? It's it's an interesting thought, and I honestly, if nothing else, might have to listen to both that and the Anne Hathaway one because it sounds that yeah yeah. Fan- I dreamed fan- a dream. There's also Fantine's um, arrest, which is just after. Yeah. Uh, the whole uh, Anne the Hathaway docks story. lovely ladies, yeah. which is her making the descent into. Being human trafficking. Human traffic, essentially, because she's selling her hair, selling her teeth, uh, 
doing anything and everything she can to make money to send money off to her daughter, who's in char be in the charge of uh, the, the judge. Uh, no, 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 the no. master of the house. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and Helena Bottom Carter's character, who are yeah. just scum of the earth. Yeah, I think we talked about last week how it's like it's because you can get so intimate with cinema that you actually see how it's affecting her as opposed to the theater run. Yeah, this was actually one of the ones that, when we mentioned that, uh, this, the whole uh, A Dream to Dream is basically, like, shoulder up of her, and it, like, is slowly pushing in, and then it ends up as just her, like, completely breaking down. And it is one of, it is not surprising she, I believe, she won... Best supporting for this, I think. If, if nothing did, else, she should have been. She should I'm pretty sure she did because she's probably only nominated. in for like five minutes and just damn. Probably nominated, if nothing else. She's definitely nominated. I'm pretty sure she won, but yeah, she deserved it for that. Oh yeah, definitely. I enjoy Anne Hathaway. She's a very yeah. good actress. Anne Hathaway's one of those that. I didn't like for the longest time, like through Princess Diaries and all those. I won't lie, then, going back, those are actually still kind of fun. Yeah, and uh, like when I was younger, it's like, no, I'm a boy, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> My best friend at the time was a girl, so I had to watch them, and I'm like, okay, these are kind of good, but at the same time. Was that also what kind of, ca- did you ever watch uh, Princess Bride because of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, a, that's yeah. another one that, that boys especially don't think it's like oh it says Princess Bride then you watch it's like oh that's actually pretty fun best yeah. performance by an actress in a supporting role Les Miserables 2012 yeah. yep okay that makes sense yeah that's not surprising yeah uh, she, she also won Golden Globes for it as well oh yeah she deserved every, <laughs> every everything she got for that I'm yeah. just surprised I haven't seen anything for it by this point I remember seeing commercials for the movie it it was one that came out like right around the time of either a Star Wars movie or there, it was like out at the same time as something big up bigger was out so it made its budget back it made money but it was kind of overshadowed by the bigger blockbusters in late December not surprised wait hang on hang on that's a 2012 she got it for uh yes 2012 so Uh, it would have been 2011 Disney's Tangled was Tangled around that time I doesn't matter. So. It doesn't matter. I think it was, but so best. I know that domestically, Les Mis made 148 million. Yeah. Worldwide, it made 442 million. Jeez. Yeah, that's that's not so. uh, that's not unimpressive. And that's according to Box Office Mojo. Yeah. So yeah. So who's next, James? Uh, yeah. You know what? I'll go. Cool. <laughs> Let's go for a complete shift in tone. Don't worry, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be a complete shift from yours. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt about that, Devin. Because the first one I'm going to be talking about is South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. <laughs> That's a dick joke. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's change gears here real hard. Blame Canada. <laughs> yep. Directed by Trey Parker, one of the creators. Produced by Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators. Written by Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and Pam Brady. <laughs> And starring Trey Parker, Matt Stone, Mary Kay Bergman, and Isaac Hayes. Ah, chef. Yeah. <laughs> music by Mark Shaman. And I won't lie, the music is actually very good. It's a whole movie built around the idea of sens- of censorship and what counts as excessive parroting. And it hits all those tones pretty well. You know, I asked you about what you would consider one of the, like, uh, encapsulating songs, and honestly, I kind of want to go through it for all of them. This one, you were making a joke about it, Blame Canada. 
It's a great song. Because it's the whole thought process of the entire movie is that, oh no, these children have been exposed to bad words. We have to make sure the people responsible are, like, castigated. And, well, it can't be us. It must be the people who made this stuff that they, that they didn't intend to show to kids. Uh, let's get them before they blame us. And that's literally the end line of the song. Is that uh, Sheila Broflosky? Kyle's mother, who is definitely one of those hardcore control freak parents, yeah. says that line. And it's like, blame them before somebody thinks of blaming us. And is that rallying cry of, well, we, we got to get Terrence and Philip, the people who corrupted our, our children, by, having, by making and releasing an R-rated film that was not meant for children, that somehow our children saw because we're bad parents. <laughs> the whole concept of blame them before they blame us just sounds like politics. It, it is. Particularly it, American politics. Yeah. Yeah. It's not... It's not about who's right, it's about who whines the loudest. We should do political thrillers sometime. That'd be interesting. Those are some interesting ones. Yeah. But the music in general is very good. It starts off with just a, <laughs> like a nice... In the mountain, ta- mountain, mountain Town is the name of the first song. And it's Stan just having a nice song about where he grows up, what he likes about it, all that sort of stuff. And... Then it goes into one of the raunchiest songs of it, uh, which, you know what, I'm not going to say. I think everyone knows it if you've heard about South Park Pick a Longer Uncut. What always amazes me is how, <laughs> is how Trey and Matt keep the voices they have for the characters and are able to sing very well. It's incredibly impressive. And the fact that it's basically cardboard cutouts moving on a screen is... Quite hilarious. Definitely a different tone because it's comedy. It is not. It is not a hard punching one. It's something I can. I can listen to the soundtrack over the course of the day and have a good time because I remember where it happened. Where it happens in the movie because it's so unique in its animation style. And I think that's to its credit. I'll be honest. I saw it when I was younger. Haven't watched it since. I barely remember any of the movie. <laughs> Oh, there's a whole thing with hell, Satan, oh, I know. sleeping with Saddam Hussein. It's a, it's a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember parts of it, and I, but, like, I barely remember any of the music, and I barely remember, like, I didn't remember the story. <laughs> it's just kind of one of those that I'm like, yeah, it was fine. And then I'm, I never, start... I'm never been a huge South Park fan, so. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll go with the same thing I, I, I go with SpongeBob. I'm a fan of it up until the movie. After that, stuff kind of starts declining. Like, the first season of South Park is hilarious to me. I enjoyed latest, it when I was younger. Latest film I can't watch. It's just one of those that I don't really watch. I know it's still on, I believe, right? It's still chugging along. 25 but... years, I think? Yeah. It's not probably longer. Highest. I think Simpsons is still higher. Oh, Simpsons should have died a long Simpsons time ago. Simpsons is at, like, 30. I, I respect Simpsons for what it is, but... Yeah, yeah I mean... So I remember seeing the movie when I was younger. I've seen it a couple of times since it came out. I thought it was funny when I first saw it. I've grown out of seeing South Park for the most part. I get the humor. There are definitely things in there that I still laugh at. I think that the animation that uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, Matt Stone do is amazing. 
the fact that they can keep anybody can keep coming back week after week after week with something new, I guess, because I mean, obviously, some things are you're gonna revisit. They are topical as hell because of the short turnaround they have. Right. Yeah. But the fact that they're able to do that and make an entertaining show that is successful, I have to give them all the credit in the world. Yeah. And the fact that they got a a motion picture musical, yeah, where they kind of talk of they they originally wanted a different name for it. I cannot remember what the original name for it was, but fractured butthole. No, that's no. <laughs> how that got past them. It's a video game, I guess. I just have to. I have to give. I like their uh, their names for their games and their movies and stuff. Yeah, I can't remember what the original uh, name for Bigger, Longer, and Uncut was, but they changed it to that, and whoever the censorship was who nixed the first idea didn't realize it was still a dick joke. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's honestly kind of funny. Right. But I'll say, even though, even though I haven't really watched the movie itself in a long while, the songs still get me, because... They are they are absolutely one hundred percent good for what they are. I'll still listen to those and have and have fun with it. Like I said, Blame Canada is the encapsulation of the whole movie. I mean, to be honest with you, it's my favorite song from the movie. I remember singing it constantly right after the movie first came out. Which one? Uh, Blame Canada. Oh, Blame Canada. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was my favorite song, hands down. It's a good movie. one. The other good one I'll say uh, I'll say is up uh, up there. When the Satan sings, yeah, it is such a it is a soul wrenching piece, in in just the sea of comedy. It's that it's one of those pieces where it's like you feel for the guy, yeah, you really do. He, they they make they make a sympathetic devil, and it's hard not to be, with with what they went with, yeah. On the whole, it's a surprisingly good musical, that, in a way, is still kind of relevant today. Probably, oh, probably yeah. more than it has been ever. Yeah. Saddam Hussein's not around. But there's other people. <coughs> anyway, <laughs> that that's the that's the part that's kind of not topical anymore. But uh, pick your dictator, plug and play. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't hear it as a full word. I heard two. I don't think anyone's doing so. Ronry. <laughs> it's a musical that people kind of forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> and you I know, don't think about world it, police. It's the second. It's the second one. In, the, the stuff they got away with on that movie is hilarious, but that's for another time entirely. Yeah. yeah. If we ever do a mannequin, <laughs> mannequin animated movies, let's do it. Oh, boy. There's a couple. I can think of one that came out fairly recently. Uh, Anomalisa? No, I'm talking about the one Korean one with the samurais. Oh, right. That one. <laughs> yeah. Oh. What was that? I can't remember, but let's go on. Yeah. Devin, please take us out of this this comedic hellhole. All right. So your Tom, yours was uh, Broadway. Then we went to South Park. Let's go to an indie film from 2018, uh, <laughs> directed by unknown director named Brett Haley, starring Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens, uh, called Hearts Beat Loud. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you. What I can you hear want. the crickets of people going. What? Yeah, no, I'm, gonna give you I, I'm actually aware of this. I I love this movie. To the surprise um, of no one, I'm not. <laughs> it's one that I saw at the film festival this this past year. Um, it's about a father and daughter, uh, played by Nick Offerman and Kirsty Clemens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the father used to be in a band with the mother, um, biracial uh, parents, biracial daughter. Uh, 
but they used to be in a band. The mother was a singer, and the dad was like the composer, the the guitar player, and all that, and was like, and is still really interested in doing it, but is kind of no longer does it. Owns a record store um, in the city, and in like city. it's kind of dying because records and. The daughter is going going to be going off to college, but before they go to college, the dad wants to make, like, hey, you know, let's let's put our thing out on this like Spotify thing, yeah. Oh, that hurts. And the the daughter has a bunch of these songs because they always have like jam sessions and where they just kind of dick around and they they make music together and they, it's an actually a pretty good, you know, father daughter. Um, kind of, she's going off to college, but he isn't quite ready to be alone. So it's kind of this... Leaving the nest. Yeah, it's him, like, not quite wanting to... Almost not wanting to give up on the mother. And, like, she's the last little connection to the mother. And they end up... There's a... The, the song that the movie... The title is based off of, Hearts Beat Loud, is um, sung by the daughter written by the father about the mother and it's this just really well done song um there's another song called blink uh i believe it's a million miles is the kind of parenthetical um that's again written by the daughter this this time um played by the two of them uh, but it's from the daughter to her new girlfriend which okay. is actually really cool because they do this and the dad's just completely okay with it like, he, he has that moment of, like, you have a girlfriend. And, like, you'd expect it to go the the kind of cliche, like, why don't you have a boyfriend? But it's like, is she cool? Does she like music? Uh, does she want to join? Just she can, be in, she can be the man. To be fair, and, more often than not, that seems, that's the case because people aren't yeah. being stupid. Especially in, like, the more independent because they don't have to throw it out to the masses. Right. But, you know, that's a good point. They just, it's just kind of an accepted move on and not make a big deal about it, which is honestly the best and only way it should be handled. Yeah. The the girl who plays um the girlfriend, um, Sasha Lane, actually played um in a movie called The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Okay. Which is about a gay reformation camp. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. It's a, another really well done movie that came out this past year. Oof. But she was in that with uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, who also went to the camp. Um, I like that one better than uh, Boy Erased, which is kind of the same storyline, but uh, gender flipped. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, Hearts Beat Loud is just one of those that I wanted... Like, I could have easily said Nightmare for Christmas, but I said that for, for Animated. Um, I could have said a few others, but to me, Hearts Beat Loud is just such a well-done movie it sounds sweet it's it's definitely one of those that like is super uplifting it's a real good film yeah because there's no like real animosity like she doesn't she wants to leave and go and do her own thing and he doesn't want her to leave but ultimately she doesn't want to leave because like of the of the almost friendship that they end up kind of rekindling between between um father and uh daughter and it's just one of those that's a feel-good movie that doesn't kind of hit you over the head with it. So. Oh, that's that sounds wonderful. Yeah. And it is song. <laughs> yeah, and it, it doesn't have like show show numbers. There's no choreography. It's them singing these songs, and there's no 
like no singing, no dancing, no, no, or there's singing, there's no dancing. There's much like other movies, and I'll, oh, I'll remember you, one is kind of like this as well. Would you call it more diegetic then? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, they're always playing the music. Uh, you often hear like the mother singing too, and like they flash back to what the father and the mother used to make, the kind of mu- music they made, and. It's just overall, it's just a very well-made movie. That sounds really cool. I remember when it came out, I remember seeing mm-hmm. some stuff about it. I wanted to see it personally. Uh, I didn't get a chance to, even though, obviously, like I said, I wanted to. It's out on digital. I'll have to yeah, it's, definitely check it out then. Yeah, the Nick- list of what we need to watch ever expands, <laughs> Tom, ever expands. I blame Devin mostly. Yeah, pretty much. Forget Canada, just blame Devin. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that should, Bring that's, it on. That's a, parent, that's a parenthetical for the for in the can. Blame Devin. Just wait. I have a documentary in my honorable mentions that's also a musical. <laughs> also, there is no instruments in the entire movie, but they're playing instruments. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Air guitar. <laughs> yep. I was making a joke. Oh, I know. I know which one you're talking about now. It's great. Shit. I love that movie. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, Hearts Be Loud. Nick Offerman's great. Kiersey Clemens is amazing. Um, Can you say the title song is really good? Yeah. Uh, I love the title song, and I love Blink. Uh, One Million Miles. So You kind of get the, the feeling of the movie from especially uh, Hearts Be Loud. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, All right. So, Tommy. my number two. Uh, another PG-13 movie came out in 2005. The movie goes along with what the movie... What happened with the movie goes along with what the movie's about. Because you can make more money with a flop than you can with a hit. Uh, <laughs> the producers, it was a flop in the theaters. It only made $13 million domestic and $32 million worldwide. That's not a lot. Which wasn't the budget. Oh, no. Yeah. So domestically, it didn't come close. I think it made like half the You're budget. You're talking the Nathan Lane Broderick. Nathan, one, Nathan right? Lane Broderick with... So this one, it was directed by uh, Susan Stroman with choreography by Susan Stroman, music by Glenn Kelly. It stars Nathan Lane, Matthew Broderick, Uma Thurman, and Will Ferrell. It was written by Mel Brooks and Thomas Meehan. Uh, cinematography was John Bailey and Charles Minsky uh, and was distributed by Universal this was a remake of the original movie uh, starring Zero Marcel and Wilder, wasn't Gene it? Wilder yes and I believe it was a musical for stage after the movie but I'm not 100% sure on that be honest with you. I don't know enough about producers. All I know is is the comedy in there is hilarious. Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane play so well off each other. They actually starred on Broadway in this musical together. Then they came together for the movie. Uma Thurman and Will Ferrell were not in the Broadway version, but what they bring to the table for the movie is fantastic. I love the music in general for it. Mel Brooks, his comedy is amazing. Yeah, he has very few misses on him. He's usually pretty solid comedy-wise. And I'll say the only thing I really know about the producers is Springtime for Hitler. That's that's it. So everybody knows the song Springtime for Hitler, which 
the premise is is like I said, they're trying to produce a flop because you can make more money with a flop than you can with a hit. Matthew Broderick plays an accountant who goes to do the books for Nathan Lane's character, and he goes, "Hey, you know, you're you're losing money all over the place here. It's kind of funny, but you could probably make more money with a flop than you could with a hit." And Nathan Lane goes, "Wait, really?" I don't understand the mechanics of that, but that's probably hopefully explained in the movie. Ben it is. Press is good. Right, so uh, we need $2 million. Oh, okay, why $2 million? Why. There's a lot of little ladies out there. $1 uh, million dollars for you, $1 million for me, basically. We find the worst play ever written, find the worst director in town, hire the worst actors in New York, and before we can uh, close on Broadway, or open on Broadway, uh, we close on Broadway, collect our $2 million, and head to Rio. <laughs> right. So they just... Essentially, they're trying to create something that's going to flop opening night so they can just go, cool, show's canceled, bye, and run. Oh, boy. They even have two sets of books. Show this book to the IRS. Do not show this book to the IRS. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Ponzi scheme. Exactly. Uh, if I was going to choose a song that actually says exactly what this encapsulates what this movie is about I would say We Can Do It is the song that I would go with oh I was going to say We Can Do What Now We Can Do It it's Nathan Lane's character uh, Bialystok is going to Matthew Broderick's character Bloom to try to convince him to go along with this scheme of finding the worst play and director and actors and all that jazz, collect their money and head off to Rio. Just intentionally bombing. Intentionally bombing so they can make this money. And Matthew Broderick has always dreamed of being a Broadway producer. So Lane is trying to appeal to that and say, hey, you can be a Broadway producer. We can get you that tux. We can go have lunch at Sardi's. You can drink champagne until you puke. You can do all these things. Oh, so it's a persuasion song. Yeah, it's a persuasion song. And he's like, you know, did all these great people do all these things? But when they said that, or did all these things, what did they say to the people following them? We can do it. We can do this. It's a rally. That's, yeah. that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and it's a, it's a call to action. And it, it's literally the whole scheme behind everything. Wow. And ultimately, it's, they kind of hit... Gold with it. It was, uh, it, it was a flop that actually just turned into a hit. The biggest thing I heard about it is that it's basically a real life conceptualization of so bad it's hilarious, and that you yes. bet you need to go see it because of how bad it is. And Will Ferrell is the plays the guy who wrote the musical. And he's trying to be 100%. This is the way it is. It's realistic. There's nothing comedic about it. It's it's the way it is. But it's so over the top. Because he's essentially a brown shirt Nazi who escaped to the U.S. and is hiding amongst everybody else. <laughs> oh, that's that's a twist. But doesn't want to like let everybody know. And he has carrier pigeons that he calls his Lieblings who will like do the Nazi salute. Right. I uh, see that coming. 
Uh, yeah. Right? You know, the more you talk about this, the more I think I actually have to watch it. Right, exactly. And then their original, they go and get a director whose whole theme is keep it gay. Right. That I was like, it's not the, the Jews on Broadway. That's what spam a lot yeah like what's the there was something yeah. in this movie that was like you have to do this to get it get good or yeah keep it gay yeah. what Roger what's wrong oh he's having a stroke what of genius <laughs> but the That's... whole but the whole second act has to be rewritten rewritten they're losing the war excuse me no <laughs> oh, okay. yeah exactly there'll be chorus boys dancing through uh, France Play, or no, there'll be German soldiers dancing through play, France, played by chorus boys in very tight pants. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and that's, Will that's Ferrell sense. eventually goes, hey, we're going to keep that guy, and he's going to play Hitler. And he breaks both legs. So now Roger, who was the director, now goes, gets to go on stage as Hitler, and he's the German Ethel Merman, don't you know? <laughs> Okay. It's, right. We're, so, so you have to see the movie. Let's wrap this up because it's getting stupider and stupider right. the more. Like I said, yes. it was the guy who picked South Park. Right. <laughs> yeah, but there's cohesion there, he lies. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I love this musical. They do an amazing job. The actual connection that they have, just being able to play off each other is beautiful. And... Everything just is right there. It's just an entertaining thing to watch. It sounds like a hoot. Yeah, from beginning to end, it's just fun to watch. So that's the producers, like I said. I'm guessing you're about as knowledgeable about this one as I am, Devin. I've seen it. Um, again, it's one that I, I don't know if I saw in theaters. I'm trying to remember when the hell... What year did this come out? 2005. I wow. probably saw it in theaters. Um, haven't really watched it since. Haven't really thought much about it. You've mentioned it a bunch of times, but it, like I said, there's a reason why it's my number two. So <laughs> yeah, I can definitely I can definitely tell. <laughs> I enjoyed it when I saw it, but it didn't leave much of an impression on me. Fair. You're not a big musical guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The second one I want to talk about, though, is the uh, Beauty and the Beast, the '91 animated one, and I hate that I have to say that. That's I, fair, though. I really do. Directed by Gary Trosdale and Kirk Wise, produced by Don Han, the screenplay by Linda Wolverton, story by about a good dozen people. Welcome to <laughs> Disney Animated. It got touched by a lot of hands. <laughs> Starring Paige O'Hara, who was, who was actually in Nightmare Before Christmas. Catherine O'Hara, different person. Oh, great. You're absolutely right. Only if they're related. Maybe. Uh... You're right, I did forget about that. Uh, Robbie Benson, Richard White, Jerry Orbach, David Ogden Steers, and one of the bigger names, actually, Angela Lansbury. Yes. She played the Teapot. Okay. Yeah, she Mrs. Potts. Pretty sure she, she, she played Potts, Mrs. Potts. And <laughs> talking about Oscar, Oscar bait. <laughs> right. <laughs> Music by the incomparable Alan Menken. Is it Tim Rice? Does Tim Wright have something to do with this composer or something like he that? He might. I think he may I have been the composer for the music, but oh, Alan Menken did the lyrics and helped write the music for it. Yeah. The budget was 25 mil. It made, domestically, I, I want to say this is, 425 mil. Yep. So it, it made its budget back. Oh, yeah. And it's the 
if I remember correctly, it is the first hand-drawn animated movie to ever be nominated for Best Picture. I want to say yes. It might, I, it might be. Here. I know it's definitely nominated for Best Picture. It won. It won Best Motion. Yep, first first film animated film to ever win that. Yeah, Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. Yep, it was the first animated one that won that. And you know what? It is not hard to hard hard to see why. Not sure if it won. I think it was just nominated. No, it won. It says here it won the Golden Globe for Best oh. Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. Uh, Oscars. Oh, oh. Uh, it was also the first. Yeah, nominated for Best yeah. Picture Academy Awards. Sorry. Yep. But it did win the Best Original Score and Best Original Song for... Oh, yeah, it won a bunch of stuff, but... Yeah, yeah. I know and it was one of, if not the only, an, like, animated movie to ever be nominated for Best Picture. I think there's been a few since. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but speaking of the, the score, what do you go to for a musical? Honestly, I could think of a couple that kind of... Get the tone of it. The the biggest. Yeah, just. The yep, that's that's <laughs> yeah. one of the ones everyone goes to. I yep. can't remember who who played Lumiere, but it's that that's one of the ones that everybody thinks of alongside the title one, Beauty and the Beast, sung by Angela Lansbury. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that's that's basically Oscar bait right there. You also have Gaston. Yep. That's a great one. Uh, Richard White does Gaston, and oh my god, he sounds like that big burly woodsman. It's also the uh, the village song. I don't remember. Mob song. It's literally called the mob song. The, uh, mob song? the village song in the beginning. Oh, oh Bell. Tiny. Yeah. Bell. That's, it's no, called Bell. The mob song. Yeah. Uh, nearly, any, nearly any song in this movie could be picked to encapsulate it because it's all so very well done. They all tell a story. The only thing that honestly probably falls short for me is the yeah. song Something There. Yeah. The one between Bell and Beast. Yeah. See, I like Human again. <laughs> the one that they made for the DVD re-release. Wow. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Someone was in theater and did the show. <laughs> That'd be me. <laughs> wow. But, like I said, any of these songs is just so representative of the theme and I say that, but it's almost kind of kind of hard to pick what the theme is. Is that what's inside? Stockholm syndrome? No, it's not exactly Stockholm syndrome because she doesn't start responding to the beast till after he starts being a dick. Yeah. So in other words, it's the reverse, which I want to say is Limo. I don't know. Don't judge matter. a book by its cover. Would be. The I thing. think that's kind of the. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the probably. biggest because it concerns back to books because she loves books at the very beginning. She's constantly reading them. Yeah, the library, the person who owns the bookstore, is basically comments on that in the opening song. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, at one point he actually shows her the library and the castle and goes, "You can read them." Yeah, it's it's a big thing of uh, appearances can be deceiving because the whole thing between Gaston and Beast is that Gaston is what everyone thinks is a perfect gentleman, but he's kind of a creepy stalker and jackass. He would be the main hero in a lot of other stories. Because he's the big burly man saving the helpless uh, helpless the female from the beast. Little Red yeah. Riding Hood. Yeah, he's the woodsman. Yeah. He's the Prince Eric, you know, the one that Prince Charming shows up and all this. <laughs> Kills the dragon. 
Not and Prince Adam because that's the or that's the Beast, but yeah. But yeah, he he's that, and then you've got the Beast who on the outside looks like a giant werewolf. <laughs> but Basically, inside, yeah. once you actually when you get past that barrier, is a fairly sweet guy who was cursed as an 11-year-old for being a dick, and it's kind of, 11-year-old noble people are kind of dicks, and they're in the French Revolution, so they're nobles, and they're going to get killed, but let's not think too hard about that. Um, (laughs) It's a weird movie when you think about the actual, like, facts and all that. Yeah, there's some weird, when you start delving into the story, it's like, there's some weird stuff going on here. Yeah, like where all the people turn into that and they just haven't grown up because how else would Chip be alive and like kind of an eight year old even though they've been this way for ten years? Again, don't think about it too hard. Yeah. Time kind of froze for them, I guess. I I think I hope I hope that's the stick. That's I blame the, stick. the rose. <laughs> yeah, stupid magic. But it's like I said, be my guess is the is the biggest one that comes to mind. That or the title the title song Beauty and the Beast. They, and they both convey that very different feeling. The Beauty and the Beast is the one about just the love and acceptance and all that sort of stuff. And the Be My Guess is the bombastic one everyone remembers because yeah. of Lumiere just selling it. Yeah. The Beauty and the Beast, uh, if you've ever seen Belle in the yellow yellow ball gown, that's that. That's scene. the scene. Yes. Yeah. And that's you. And I yeah. won't lie, that's like half the time she's portrayed in that. And the other half of the time, she's in the regular her regular garb, the blue and white, yeah, yeah blue, blue with the white apron. I, I think it's actually leaning more towards the uh, the ball gown, actually. Yep. Late uh, more often than not lately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, the animation in the, in that scene is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That some of the early CG uh, assisted. The ballroom was CG, which is how they got the absolutely astonishing. Uh, Viewpoints for yeah. the camera. You cannot do that with live action, but you know what? They tried. Yeah, <sighs> I will say that Beauty and the Beast is the only straight-up Disney movie on my that was even close to my list. That is it, tied. That is there because of my theater background. I like a lot of the other Disney musicals, like Tangled comes to mind. Aladdin has some good songs, even yeah. uh, Little Mermaid, but. I have to say, Beauty and the Beast, it captured that old school fairy tale feel mm-hmm. while having 90% of the songs just hit you in some different part. Yeah. Yeah. It really I, was a landmark. I absolutely love the mob song. The, oh. uh, and I believe Maison de Lune. I believe that's in the movie. It might just be for the Broadway version. It does not ring a bell. I bought uh, it Broadway. It is the, um, the song from the, the Keeper of the Asylum. Yeah, that's singing from, about how they're going to drag uh, the dad to the asylum, and it's all this really creepy. And I just absolutely love that song. And if you get a chance to listen to the Broadway version, it is just a awesome. They may song. have they may have had a line or two in like the mob song or one of the earlier songs it that they then leads took into the, the mob song. Then yeah, that must have been that must have been explicitly for that's that. the Broadway. Yeah, but I absolutely love that song. So. Yeah, it. All of them are honestly. Oh wait, no, hang on. Tony Che was uh, Monster de Arc, the sadistic warden of the Asylum de Loons. Monster de Arc. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. But the main characters, especially Paige O'Hare for uh, Belle, 
Robert Benson for The Beast and Richard White for Gaston, they all bring, like, top-notch, especially Richard White. Yeah. Gaston is amazing in this. Yeah. And I will say I did enjoy the remake. Uh, it's not as well done, but I enjoyed it. Um, I will say I liked I liked the person they got for Gaston. Uh, Lee Pace? He, Luke, I want to say. No, Luke Evans. Luke Evans. Yeah. Luke Evans, yes. There's like three actors that are very similar that I kind of jumped He between. was great. He was yeah. I thought he was great. Um, and I liked the revamp mob song. Yeah. There, like, there's a lot in it that I thought was just really well done. Um, I liked uh, Emma Watson, but, you know, she's not... Her, like, voice wasn't as powerful as the original. But at the same time, I like her. So, you know, whatever. Oh, um, I thought the Beast looked good. Some of the animation was a little little iffy. Um, you see I the love it. all of the actors they got for the... the uh, the people that are no longer people. The uh, household items? Yeah, the household items. Um, I love every one of them. Like Stanley Tucci and... like <laughs> they, I just, they made good picks. I, I loved all of them. I love that you actually get to see them out of costume uh, in the ball in the beginning and that kind of stuff. And I, I just genuinely, I thought the, the remake was a, a decent remake. I will say, it's hilarious seeing the behind the scenes and seeing the, the actor who did the Beast in the giant poofy gray thing. Yeah. It's like, why? Why, why have you done this? Yeah, they needed that so that hands are the right places. And even though there's some iffy animation on the Beast beast himself, I thought the movie did a pretty good job. No, it's it's definitely one of my favorite uh Disney movies. I still, I still think Tangled is better personally, but I will one hundred percent say, as a musical, Viewing the Beast is kind of, kind of trumps a lot of other Disney movies. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it ca- captured that classical fairy tale feel with wonderful music. Yeah, I mean, it has everything. It has the danger, the the danger sense because you feel that with the mob scene. When the wolves are chasing Belle with the horse, it's a the yeah. fight between Gaston and Beast used to scare the crap out of me. Yeah, God, that was terrifying. When we, how it gets resolved? When we first encounter the Beast, and he's so ferocious, you know that's rather scary. The shadows looming, everything like that. And over the course of it, you see him soften with certain songs, and then mm-hmm. culminating in that that Oscar bait, <laughs> Oscar award bait song, which. Yeah. Again, sells the whole concept. Yeah, like legitimately, I agree. It's it's always been one of my favorite Disney musicals. Yeah. Okay, so, so I guess I guess now I have to ask Devin, are we doing a shocking swerve tone wise from here? Uh, well, depending on which one of these I decide, I'm doing two movies because they're like two wildly different. Both are, well, one is definitely a musical. There's no question there. The other one is. A musical in a different vein, but both directed by Damien Chazelle. He's all—he's also doing two uh, because Devin's the only one who doesn't follow the damn rules. Yeah, I think I initially made some of these rules. Uh, <laughs> Screw the rules, yeah. I make them. Yeah. <laughs> so the first one I'm going to mention here is the 2014 movie starring uh, Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons yes. called Whiplash. <laughs> And this is the one that I kind of want to get out of the way first because not a lot of people are like going to say, yeah, that's a musical, but it's about a drummer. And if we're doing stuff about like guitarists and singers, a movie strictly about a jazz drummer that is pushed to his limit and snaps, yeah, it, it's, it's a musical to me. And I haven't really seen it, but I know the trailers I saw is Simmons is, a, is like 
a big treat. And the music does oh play a huge, huge yeah. component in this. The fact that he, the whole thing, he's trying to play Caravan and... Is it Whiplash? Is it actually Whiplash, yeah. yeah. That, that, it actually is the other one. Um, but he's just constantly... Uh, Miles Teller character of Andrew is just constantly, constantly trying to, to do another... Do it again, do it again, do it again until it's perfect. And J.K. Simmons is sees that he has potential and just drills into him repeatedly for the entire movie. He rides that and, line of being an exceptionally stern teacher to... Uh, and an abusive asshole, from what I've heard. He there's a line in the movie that is, um, there is no two words more hurt or more dangerous than the words "good job." And it's that because he's basically, if you ever hear "good job," you think you've done the best you can ever do, and he knows that you he can push you to do better. And <sighs> even if it pushes you to Break, like basically bleeding from your hands or being so emotionally scarred that you're forced to go like freaking out, get in a car accident, still basically crawl out of the car and run and then get on stage and say, I'm here, I can do this while bleeding from your hand, from your head, almost passing out and then starts and actually like passes out or like, it's just he ends up snapping and punching J.K. Simmons, and <laughs> it's just the movie is one of the most intense like hour and a half I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, and it is all just this guy's single sole drive to be the best drummer he could possibly be, and the teacher that just takes that and runs with it. That will push him that far. Yeah, and oh my god. I, I didn't see this one in theater, um, unfortunately. It kind of like, I just missed it. I, I didn't, I don't know why I didn't see Maybe it. Maybe you're at the film festival. And no, it, like, I wanted to see it. It just, it came out right around Christmas and was like obviously at a kind of Oscar time and I just had other things. And I ended up watching it later on DVD and I'm like, how did I not see this? And it was immediately, it shot up into my top, top like probably 20 movies of all time and I'm just, this movie's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, how can this director ever top it? And two years later, he released La La Land. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Um, this one's just, yeah, nobody can complain. La La Land's a musical. Yeah. I mean, it starts with the song and dance number on on the L.A. freeway. That means nothing, Devin. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Yeah. La La Land from 2016, starring Emma, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. Uh, and J.K. Simmons, who makes a cameo as a different character, but <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah, he he's like the the kind of controlling boss of um, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling wants to be a jazz piano player. Jazz again? What? <laughs> I don't know what happened to Damien Giselle, but he, he was he wasn't in jazz band. I did that. I do know. That, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And he, yeah, but Ryan Gosling is a a jazz piano player who's trying to keep jazz alive and doesn't want to change it and. He's, like, stuck in the past, and Emma Stone is someone from, like, kind of a, a, a suburban place, and I think, like, Nevada or something, who moved to moved to California to be the next big star. You know, kind of a normal thing. Mm-hmm. But it's all about her trying, like, going to new auditions, him trying to get, Sorry. trying to become the next big, big piano player. And to me, it 
I just absolutely love the, love the movie. Starts with a great song and dance number on the freeway, which they actually shut down the L.A. freeway. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. What? They shut it down for, I think, one day, and there's an all one single shot of this camera going and going down through the, the cars and all this stuff going on. And, like, of course, the kind of weird weirdness of opening up a, a truck and there being drummers in the truck and going <laughs> back and, like, a guy on a skateboard and then people dumping and flipping off of cars. And it's just one of those that it's another day of sun is the song. And it's just, like, that kind of, like, fake optimism of, hey, we're in California, we're in L.A., we're going to make it. <laughs> oh, and, then, no. and then they all stop, pose, get back in the car, and all those horns start blaring. And it's just, like, this really cool, like, I don't know, it's just the optimism that I have of wanting to be a filmmaker, and then that, like, nope, this is the reality. and It shows the juxtaposition of, yeah. like, everybody's ideal of what... Is what they think LA is, and then the reality of well, this is the misery that is the LA Expressway. Enjoy, people. Dichotomy of fantasy and reality. That's a. And then they immediately slam, cut to her at an audition. <laughs> oh and no! I'll get into the song audition because if we're like pimping one song from each movie, that's the song. Holy crap! But um, she's at an audition where she's like breaking down on the phone and. You know, all this, and then someone just knocks in. It's like, hey, does anyone want food? <laughs> kind of thing. And, like, just this. And Emma Stone, one best actress for this movie. And hands down, she deserved it. Like, hands down. She was unbelievable in this. I have to admit, this is one that I actually have not seen. How? Like, James, I'm not surprised. This no, is in no. your wheelhouse. It is but not. Tom? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with Devin. Wow. How have you not watched it? Like, oh, this... Man. So, I've wanted to see it, and every time that it's been on, I've sat there and go, you know, I just can't do a musical right this moment. I, I can't, I can't. Wow. Because, look, like all things, there's, you get into a mood to see a specific type of movie or whatever. Okay. And if I'm going to see a musical, I want to be able to be actually enjoy it. So, I want to make sure that I'm fully awake. I want to make sure that, you know, I can pay full attention to it. And every time it's been on or I've had an opportunity to watch it, I've either been super tired, I've had other stuff I've had to do so I can't pay full attention to it, or I'm in one of those moods where I'm just like, I don't know if I could sit still long enough to truly pay attention to this film. You know, I can respect yeah. that. There's definitely there's definitely some movies where I can pop on, have in the background, and not really Action think movies. about that. Yeah. Well, you say that, but it's also like sometimes when I do that, I'll then find myself fully... Like, the first John Wick, I can pop that on and have that in the background. But I know very well that when I hear certain like musical stings, especially, yeah. it's like I'll turn it and it's like I'll be sucked in and I'll find myself watching it and forgetting what I was doing. Yeah. I'm the same way when it comes to like Lord of the Rings. I'll put that on thinking, oh, this is a long movie. I can put it on, put it on, forget it, walk away, do something. And then 30 seconds later, I'm sitting there going, oh, look, I'm still here two hours later staring at the screen that I didn't intend to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll i turn on, like, if I'm... It, I get, uh, like, writer's block quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And if I want something that's, like, uplift... The movie is very bittersweet. It's not happy. It's not particularly sad. But it's definitely not a happy movie. It It's one of those that... It's all that kind of, like, fake we're happy. But when you really step and look at some of it, it's like, man, some of this is really dark. So, wait. So, on, a, on a scale of... 
uh, Les Mis to what's a good one? Moulin Rouge is that happy? <laughs> Moulin Rouge is not. Uh, happy. I'll say, I don't know. I'll say Heartbeat Loud. That's pretty happy. Um, but <laughs> producers, cats, cats can't dance. Like this is one of those that I mentioned. So uh, someone in the crowd is the next song. It's great, but it's also about someone in the crowd is the one worth waiting for. And it's like just find that one person, and you're good. It's oh, a very vapid. Like it's a horrible message, and. It's her, like, three friends trying to just find somebody who'll be good. And that explains why it's a horrible yeah. message. And she doesn't, of course, yeah, she does find someone in the crowd, coincidentally, but it's all, like, she doesn't quite see it like that. She's mm-hmm. like, no. Oh, so she's yeah. smart. Yeah. But then, like, she has a song with, her and Ryan Gosling have amazing chemistry in this. And that I'm not surprised about. There's a, a scene with them, it's... There's really no... There's some lyrics, uh, What a Lovely Night, and it's just like them singing, like, you know, oh, what a lovely night. It's such a shame that we have to be here. Because, like, they don't like each other right away because she kind of annoys him and he kind of annoys her. You know, the common trope, but... Yeah. Then it... Twoof. Yeah, and then it kind of ends up that they, like... They start dancing, and it's like, oh, wait, no, this guy's kind of cool. Crap. No, 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 no. I don't want this. Go away. And it's that kind of thing where they both are like in sync. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, you have a you have a boyfriend. I'm good. Cool. Thank God. Okay. But what was your name again? Kind of thing. And, you know, that kind of thing. But they end up obviously getting in a relationship, dating for a while. And then, you know, what have you. I won't spoil much of the, the, the story. He gets a job as a jazz piano player for a band that's, like, taking jazz new places. And they end up having a falling out, and she basically bombs and rage quits and goes back home. And he gets a call saying, hey, I'm looking for, I'm looking for her for a, an audition. Um, it could be something big. Uh, do you know where she is? And he's like, oh... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll go and find her. And goes, gets her, and takes her to this audition against her will. And you get a song called Audition, or The Ones Who Dream, I believe. And it's all, basically, tell, tell us a story. And she starts going, going into a story about how her grandma, at one point, went to Paris, I believe, and jumped into the Seine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And... It's all, like, she, the grandma was the dreamer that just did it because she wanted to. And this song is for those who dream. And it's just this, this really heart, heart-wrenching, like, weird, it's like a very positive-sounding song. But then at the same time, when you look at her face, it zooms in and then, like, does a 360 around her and then pulls, pulls back away from her all in one shot. And it's all her just, like, breaking down and all like the, the frustration she's had and everything and it's just this unbelievably well acted scene mm-hmm. and then like instead of the normal like oh do you want a sandwich or oh here's my phone you actually kind of get that they're impressed for the first time in the entire movie it is phenomenal wow yeah you know I, I have to I'm looking at pictures of this sort of thing and uh, of La La Land it seems very 50s 60s aesthetic mm-hmm. She very much wears like the yellow. Probably there's you see picture of her yellow dress yeah, yeah. and all that, and him in the 
The, Almost a zoot suit. The polyester suit. It's wool. <laughs> and that kind of thing. I, I also yeah. I also have to say, I forgot. Ryan Gosling's a very pretty man. Oh, yeah, he is. Damn. Mm-hmm. And he can dance. Yeah, he's a Guess very pretty man. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, I... It's just one of those movies that I... I went and saw, I think, like, five times in theaters. Okay. I went and saw it, like, a month after it opened. I'm like, holy crap. Why have I not seen this yet? Then I went and took a couple other people. I'm like, see, this is awesome. They're like, that is pretty damn cool. And then I went and saw it again. Then I went and saw it again. I have a movie pass, and I wasn't allowed to see it multiple times, but I did. But you did. Yeah. Monster Truck got some extra money just because I needed to go see it again, you know. (laughs) I won't lie. Considering how every week so far for the past month I've gone to see a movie in theaters, Mm -hmm. I'm starting to wonder if maybe I should get get something like that. They're useful. They're useful. Like I said, yeah, A-list. It's like, I'm starting to wonder, maybe I should, considering every week so far for the past month I've gone to see a movie in theaters. Yeah. I've actually actually kept up with the current movies. That's weird. For me, the Oscar season... And, like, because they all drop within the last, like, La La Land, for example, they all drop within the last couple months of the year. Yeah. Then, like, January, when all the big movies are kind of, you've seen them, and then you have nothing but Oscar films, and I try to watch every Oscar film. Like, our first show, uh, Oscar one, uh, pimp back to that one. Um, Yeah, it was... It's a <laughs> it's a it's a bit of a film festival there to catch up catch up everything, but yeah this uh, uh, La La Land Emma Stone won Best Actress hands down deserved it she was phenomenal Damien Chazelle at thirty two years old thirty two years and thirty eight days of age he became the youngest winner of Best Director of all time wow yep. wow and he was nominated the year before for Whip, or two years before for Whiplash. This guy's had a good record. Oh, yeah. He's great. And uh, he did First Man this past year. Yep. I, I liked First Man. I still Man. haven't seen that either. Uh, wait, what? Uh, this is the first time I'm hearing about this one. First Man about uh, Neil Armstrong. Oh, no, I do. I do it was really good. I liked it. It wasn't a musical and wasn't about jazz, but... No, it was more It was more autobiography. Yeah, it was a biopic. It was really good. You mean it, what? it wasn't about jazz? Yeah, no, it was weird. Uh, maybe, but, you know, maybe they played jazz in the car one time. We yeah, also shout out to uh, Justin Hurwitz, who did the uh, who wrote the music for. Oh, that name sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh you'd you'd recognize Justin Hurwitz. He's he's done other things, but he did First Man, he did Whiplash, but he he's done a bunch of other things here and there. But yeah, he wrote. Um, he got the the best music written for a motion picture, and uh, he won for City of Stars, which is their theme. Basically, from what you're saying, he definitely deserved it. Oh yeah, definitely. And this is also the movie that, for about a minute, won best best uh, motion picture, but then lost to uh, lost to Moonlight. Oh yeah, I remember hearing that scandal, yeah. which I was kind of sad because I I absolutely loved La La Land, and as much as like hate and flack it got for a while there, I've never not loved uh, La La Land, and I, I thought Moonlight was okay, so. But yeah, I remember hearing about that little scandal. I, I really wanted uh, La La Land to win, and I was really happy when they announced that they did. But eh, whatever, problems are, or problems are made, or problems are mistakes wait. were made. Mistakes were made. There's what I was going for. <laughs> it's late, man. Uh, the mistake was you talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. On to our number ones. All right. So my number one is uh, amazing. It's from 1954. Yeah, not me. I'm good. Uh, it's not rated because it was before any ratings boards or anything like that. Wow, yeah. Directed by Michael Curtis, written by Norman Krasma, or Krasna, 
Norman Panama, and Melvin Frank. Starring Bing Crosby, Rosemary Clooney, Danny Kaye, and Vera Ellen. Released by Paramount Pictures. Uh, cinematographer was Loyal Griggs and choreographer Nick Castle. <laughs> Wait, what? Yep, Nick Castle. Oh, that's punny. Uh, from 1954, White Christmas. Jeez. Uh, with music by the incredible Irving Berlin. Wait, Punisher was part of this. How come no one died? <laughs> right? I mean, there was that war at the beginning. It makes sense. After, yes, there was. This was White Christmas, right? Not Holiday? White Christmas. Okay. Making sure. Right. I get those two confused all the time. Well, the song White Christmas was in Holiday Inn before the movie they also White shot Christmas. They the same location. Yes, they did. Yep. <laughs> Surprisingly enough. I know White Christmas. White Christmas, I go see it every year at a local movie theater because it's part of a specific event that they have every year for a fan event. I go see it with my mother. I love the movie. Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye are amazing. I love Danny Kaye in general. Uh, I think he's one of the most talented people that you could have at that time period to be on stage in a comedic singing role. The... Music is something that you can easily sing along with. The dance numbers, my god, my god. <laughs> right. So Vera Ellen does an amazing job dancing. She also, at the time, had like the ideal figure for a woman. Basically, the hourglass shape. Oh, that's the one that ha- that's always wearing a turtleneck. Yes, she is. She's always wearing a turtleneck for the most part, unless she's on stage dancing. She still has something around her neck. She does. Probably. Uh, She had a a problem with the skin on her neck for the movie. So they had to to keep, like, either she's always wearing a turtleneck, she always has, like, a collar up, or it's always blocked. Yeah, Yeah. it's never seen, so she's always got those very high-collared... To be fair, that creates a distinctive look. So. It does, and she's got those incredibly long, shapely legs. She's got calm da- down, Tom. Calm down. Well, no, I'm just saying, like <laughs> she's got those like dancers' legs. Oh yeah. And there's a specific number in there that she does some tap dancing, and my God. Well, I know, I know the na- one of the names you tossed out there was Crosby, and that that's the old school. <sighs> Bing Crosby, yes. That man has a voice. So the idea is Bing Crosby plays a well-known musician from New York and Broadway who ends up going to fight in World War II. While he's there and he it's Christmas time, he's kind of putting on like this Christmas concert for the USO fellas. Type. Well, not even. It's for his actual like yeah, troop yeah. that he's a part of. But kind of in the vein of a USO. Yeah, kind of a USO type show. Yeah. And Danny Kaye's kind of helping him out with some side music type mm-hmm. thing. And an attack comes. Bing Crosby's character is in the, the way of a falling wall. Danny Kaye pushes him out of the way and gets his arm injured. And he goes, so you say you owe me a favor for me saving your life and all. And I should come out and, you know, if I'm ever in New York and all that jazz, well, here's this music I've been working on. It's kind of a two-hander. And Bing's like, whoa, whoa I, I do a solo act. And he goes, yeah, but my arm. Oh, yeah, and, that's right. I remember you talking about and, this one. Yeah, and he's just like, 
oh man, I don't know. He goes, I don't know, it really hurts. And he's like, all right, fine, you you got me. And then he goes, great. And he immediately takes his arm out of the sling and shakes his hand with it vigorously. <laughs> that's that's Devo. That's a hardcore Devo. <laughs> right, right. And then after they like get back to the war's over, they get back home and everything like that. They hit it big on Broadway, and I mean big. They're like the next biggest thing to ever smack on Broadway. And next thing you know, they're doing their tour thing throughout the country, and. One of the sisters, Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen play sisters, one of them writes to them, says, hey, you know, my brother, or, you know, you served in the army with me, my sisters are a couple of acts, you should go check them out while you're in Florida. They do, and then whole shenanigans. An ensemble, sort of. Yeah, thing. whole shenanigans ensues, they're... They like each other, they don't like each other. Splashy, splashy, I don't like you. Splashy, splashy, I do. Let's chase each other around. We're not really sure what's going on. Let's go to Vermont, there's snow. Hey, wait, it's really warm in Vermont, there's no snow. Go figure. Underwater, kissy, kissy. Right, and then they end up at this ski lodge in, uh, in Vermont, owned by the general that was in charge of their regiment or whatever. And Man, why wow, this is coincidental. Right, and it's not doing so hot. Oh, of course. Of course, incredibly unseasonably hot weather leads to not good business. Plus, I wasn't doing well to begin with. And so, Bing's like, you know, we should do something for this guy. Why don't we bring all of our people here to rehearse our stuff instead of doing it in New York? Give the guy business. That stuff ensues. And it's just, it's a heartfelt, touching story. If I was started with a lie. Right, and if I was going to say if there's a song in there that I would say, and it's not going to be White Christmas, Sisters, no. Although that's a great song, <laughs> what would you Especially do with a general? Their version, of it. Uh, yeah. What would you do with a general? Because it starts off with their general, General Waverly, being changed out for another general, and it comes full circle to them trying to help out their old general again, <laughs> who wants to get back in because he feels out of place in civilian life. Common, very common. Then he gets a especially back in the fifties. Yeah, and he gets a letter back from them saying, "Yeah, you're right. You know, we'd love to have you. You must be enjoying your civilian life. You're you're such a lucky guy. Keep on enjoying it, type thing. Basically saying there's no room left in the army for him. Ouch. And they're like, oh wow. Well, you're still an appreciated guy. So they get the whole group, a regiment back up there for him and. Yeah. A nice uplifting number. Yeah. And call that a can-can soldier? Yeah. And the whole song is, what would you do with a general when he stops being a general? Mm. Yeah. And it's it brings me to tears every time I hear the song. Uh, not going to lie. I just, I yeah, I love the song. <laughs> so. See, I would have picked Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby's version of Sisters. <laughs> that song, oh my gosh. It, they're not even singing, they're lip syncing. Oh, wow. They're lip syncing to uh, Rosemary Clooney, and it's not even Vera Ellen. Vera Ellen wasn't actually singing, it was another woman. Uh, that was like three levels of what the fuckery. <laughs> well, it's okay. So it, she was it, kind of a diva, too. Right. Well, back, in that t- back at that time, they actually paid people to come in and sing for actors and actresses who couldn't sing, rather than put people who couldn't sing but are very talented otherwise in a film because they're a name. 
Oh, so kind of what Disney used to do. Yeah. Looking at Aladdin, it's like the bo- person who voices Aladdin in, in the animated one was not the singer. <laughs> Same as Nightmare. The yeah. singer and the voice actor are two different... Uh, things for Jack Skellington. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same thing with Lion King. Jonathan Taylor Thomas did not sing. <laughs> Although Matthew Broderick did. Just saying. You can sing. Well, Matthew Broderick played the adult Simba. Yeah, Jonathan yeah. Taylor Thomas played the child. And a girl sang for him. Um, that explains that. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, you know what? That is a little higher pitch, isn't it, Chase? Because <laughs> I just wanted anyway. to be king. Anyways, so yeah, so... The... Those two are singing, and they come in to let them get away from something, and they're lip syncing. And boy, I'm telling you, I don't think two actors seem to be having as much fun as they had impersonating them. Like by the end of the number, they're not even doing anything more. They're cracking up, <laughs> like literally staring at each the other, cracking, cracking up. up too. The audience <laughs> is cracking up, yeah. and it's just it's a great it's a it's a great fun fun film. So that's my it number one. Like it. uh, it's a good, good Christmas movie too. Yes, I, I'd hope so. We'll eventually do that as a topic. Oh, oh boy! boy. That's oh man, a... I can't use one. I'm gonna be use. I use it too often. Nightmare. <laughs> it's a good catch-all for a lot of stuff, Devin. That's the saddest part. When we do our, our like Halloween movie. <laughs> Do our Halloween, our Christmas, our animated, our musical. Jeez, Devin. <laughs> Just, anyways. Man, I, I, funny thing is, I probably could put Nightmare, but you know what? That's another topic. <gasps> Kubo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last That's one I'm going to talk about today is 1962 Music Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, The Music Man. Uh, this was adapted from the play, the, uh, the 57 Broadway musical. Okay. Um, Meredith Wilson had a hand in both of them, actually. Very cool. It was directed by Morton DaCosta, produced by Morton DaCosta. The screenplay was Marion Hargrove. The story was uh, Meredith Wilson and Franken, Franklin Lacey, and based on the Music Man musical by Meredith Wilson, which was based on a story. It's... This is like seven. Hollywood has done recursive stuff. There's probably a remake since too. the beginning. There is. We're not talking about that. Well, now we are. <laughs> no, no, we're not. Matthew Broderick, I love you, but no. Oh. The good one starred Robert Preston, Shirley Jones, Buddy Hackett, Hermione Gingold, Gingold, and Paul Ford. I will also say that. The main person, uh, Mr. Harold Hill or Howard? Harold Hill. Harold Hill was played by Robert Preston, who did the musical run. Okay. He was the person from the play, and honestly, both uh, Meredith Wilson and I could, <laughs> I definitely know a lot of people who will say it, there would be no one else who could play it. <laughs> he did such a fantastic job, which considering... Sometimes the problem coming from taking a theater person and bringing them to a movie. Concerning the char- the character of H- Harold Hill, who's a con man, it honestly doesn't show. If he overacted, it was kind of part of the con. And like I said, that's kind of the story, is that Harold Hill is a con man, 
going around selling stuff to people. The door-to-door salesman thing, back when this was more prominent. Con people, around, it's just all uh, Latter-day Saints. Yeah, con people into basically making a boy band for the for the towns because of various problems that he that he facilitated and kind of said, "Oh, this is a problem. You know what helped those boys out? A boy band <laughs> and the boys marching band specifically. So you've got trombones, tubas, all that sort of stuff." If I remember correctly, how it went is that he'd get the money, then just skip town. Wouldn't actually buy any of the things. Okay. The best songs for this one are actually some of the ones closest to the beginning. One is Rock Island, which is on a train traveling through Iowa. (laughs) Because of when the movie's made, it's very, very obvious they are not on a train it is so obviously said it's hilarious. But the thing is, the song basically bitching about how no one trusts traveling salesmen anymore is set to the tune, uh, set to the timing of the train. <clears throat> so you'll get people moving along singing the words in time to the sounds from the train. When it's speeding up, they start speeding up with the words. Lyrics are on the bounces from from the way the wheels kind of spin, you hear that metallic chink every so often as it's turning over. It's very well done, and it also introduced the fact that people are complaining about a certain Professor Harold Hill, who's basically making it a lot worse for them because he's a, he's a shyster. Then the other song that I think kind of builds on that is You Got Trouble, which shows exactly how much of a shyster Harold Hill is because he basically rounds up and rallies the town about the fact that oh you brought in that tool uh, that pool table down at the down at the hall and how that <laughs> creates a moral panic of degeneracy for the for the younger people which considering we're talking about the 50s right well that basically how it goes and the rest of the movie is about how he interacts with... I know she gives music lessons, but I can't remember if she's a school teacher. The character played by Shirley Jones, Marion. I'll be honest. The librarian, that was it. Marion the librarian. I don't know if I've ever actually watched a music film. I would definitely suggest it. And I'm talking about the original one, not Matthew Broderick. Again, Matthew Broderick. Let's see what it is. It's it's not bad, but... Oh, God. He just does not have the presence. So for me with this movie, I'm more familiar with the music than I am with actually seeing it because I've heard the, the music more often than I've had an opportunity to try watching I blame my mother. <laughs> I, I blame my mother as well. <laughs> Go figure. But no, it's the, the rest of it is him trying to, I want to say, get her in on the con, in, not as a partner, but just as kind of to sell the idea. And he ends up, as you do in these movies, he ends up falling in love with her. Of course. And then he's got that moral dilemma of, I'm, I'm the shyster, but I'm actually loving this girl. What do I do? And the whole thing is just a, a transformation of, do you actually want to continue doing this life, or do you want to become an honest man? And again, there's a bunch of really cool songs in it. Uh, one of the weirder ones is sung by Harold Hill's companion, played by Buddy Hackett. can't remember the guy's name, the character's name for the life of me. But 
Shapoopy. The giant. It's a. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that face. Marcellus Washburn. Cool. It's a giant. It's a giant uh, event, uh, like a whole festival sort of thing, and (laughs) it's a very fun song actually. But the other one that a lot of people might know is basically the end song, or it comes into a couple other ones. Seventy six trombones. Like I I recognize a lot of this music. I just you never really connected them as being part of the same thing. Yeah, and it's basically a bombastic. Talking about a line of marching, uh, a marching band line, it almost kind of reminds me of the Prince Ali from Aladdin, where he's just kind of yeah. listing everything Prince Ali has. It's kind of just the listing of everyone that's in the band, everyone that's in the marching band, and it ends on that note. I won't lie, the ending's kind of kind of phones it in. It, yeah. It's the resolution is exceptionally weird. I'm still not sure what's going on in it. But it's a fun story of a con man who kind of writes himself, and even though he's not meaning to, because he's trying to he's trying to trick them, he still helps the the townspeople as he's pulling the con. And as such, it's like you're you are kind of a good person. It's just you gotta stop the obvious bullshit you're selling. And like a lot of these, it's a lot more uplifting. It's just a fun romp. Back when, back when the big name was Buddy Hackett, yeah. I want to say he was the biggest name at the time. Maybe Shirley Jones, but it didn't rely on star power. Hell, the main character was played by the guy who did the the Broadway musical, and Robert Preston sells it. He sells Professor Howard Harold Hill. Man. Really? Ron yeah. Howard was in that? Yep, he plays uh, Winthrop Peru, which is Marion's... Yeah. Oh my god, that, that was him! Yeah. Wow! That is amazing! Yeah, it was, because uh, I think Marion Peru was uh, Mrs. Peru's sister? Sister or niece? One, no, of the two. one of the two, yeah. And then Ron Howard Ron plays... Ron Howard played the, the, nep- the, the little, little, kid little kid, yeah. Who sings the Gary Indiana song with uh, yep. Hill. Oh, wow! Mary Wicks is also in the movie. Um, oh, anybody wow. who's seen anything with her, she was in Sister Act. She was the uh, sister who was bad with leading the choir until Whoopi Goldberg comes in and saves everybody. And <laughs> that's all. Oh, that's another. She was one. also yeah. Sister Act Two was better, but yeah. <laughs> no. But Music Man, it. You know, me and Tom had joked about it, but I do definitely. I don't. Bl- I don't blame her, but I. Have to give credit for my mother for introducing me to a lot of this stuff that I would not have ever watched on my own. This one, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, a couple other musical one, musical specifically, but Music Man is one that both me and her, because we were the we're the only two in the family who watched it and loved it. It's like that's one of those movies that we have between us, and. We haven't watched it in a while, but you know what? I think I might want to do that at some point soon. It's it's just a fun romp, and with a lot of really good music for the time, it kind of focuses on the whole small-town honesty sort of look. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever played a Harvest Moon or Stardew Valley game? Yeah, kind of like Grover's Corners type. Yeah, thing. just a small rural town that just everybody knows everybody. Yep. 
All right, then. Let's go to the tone shift. <laughs> it's a bit of a tone shift, but I think I've decided... I, I originally had, two again, two movies by the same director. Uh, I'm going to throw this at him. Yeah. He somehow got a top five in here. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to throw this at him. The guy's him. name is John Carney. Yes. Uh, a... Pretty, now, he's still pretty obscure Irish director. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, he's been in a band. He was in a band called The Frames with a guy named John Hansard. Or uh, Glenn Hansard, sorry. Um, I have to go with Once. Once is, Once is a story about a street busker played by Glenn Hansard. It was shot for $180,000. <laughs> Wow, wait, what? Yeah. Yep. Wow. It was shot on cameras they had. Um, Glenn Hansard and John Carney were friends from when they were in the frames. And they came across this woman named Markita Irglova, who is a Ukrainian uh, <laughs> piano player. Jeez. <laughs> she plays a Ukrainian piano player. And in the movie, they are guy and girl, because they never even give names. Mm-hmm. But... Glenn Hansard plays a street busker who is pretty damn depressed. And he's just like sitting there, you know, playing playing songs that he's written or covers of songs during the day. And she kind of like, oh, I really like your, your music. Did you write this? Uh, no, no, I didn't write this one. Why don't you play your own music? Uh, nobody wants to listen to my own music during the day and you know, that kind of stuff. And um, it's just very, just a very calm. Like the entire movie, there's like not a whole lot of conflict. There's not any big song or dance numbers. It's kind of like uh, how hearts beat loud. It's not a big song and dance. It's intimate. Yeah, it's the two people. There is there. There's some other people that pop in here and there. You see his father, and he's just known as Dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see some other people in their band, but it's the two of them. And she has a husband who is off in uh, Ukraine or Czech, Czech or Czechoslovakia. That's where yeah. they're from. Um, and he's off in you or off in Czechoslovakia. Um, he had a girlfriend that is no longer there and it's just that's it he she's a piano player he's a guitarist she's like super happy like oh you should you should get a, a record deal you should go and record uh no 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 I, I don't think i can do that oh no we're going to do that and she just like will go and like go into a bank it's like you should listen to this guy's music this guy's music is great and you know this just very she just wants to do it and he's like really Passive and it's like no 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 I don't want to do it I, I can't do that I'm not good enough to do that my like, oh, are you kidding your music is amazing yeah it's great and it she's it the is. push she yeah she just we're going to do it whether you like it or not <laughs> you can either get dragged and, along or you can come with me uh, throughout the movie it you can tell that he almost immediately falls in love with her yeah like just immediately like this woman is amazing and you and. There is one of the most subtle... It's up there with like some of the stuff from Lost in Translation. Um, there is one of the most subtle moments of, like, I guess, a reveal that I've ever seen. And it's... They're, like... They've recorded the one album, and they... Re- and with this band, they're like, this is really good, and all this. And, 
you know, they're kind of like off on like a cliff looking over, looking out over the ocean to probably where knowing John Carney's future movie, um, Sing Street, probably looking out at where London might be. Yeah, that's kind of his thing. Um, and, you know, they're just kind of talking and, you know, she mentions the husband and all this and a completely non-important character in the story, the husband. But he asks, uh, you know, what's the check for do you love him? Or, and she, you know, she says it and he asks and then she says something in check and just walks away. And he just has no idea what she said and they drop it. They never question it. What she actually said is, no, I love you. And just does not want to admit it to him. Just can't bring herself to admit it to him. But admits it to him. He just does not understand it. That is smooth. And she he like just doesn't catch it. He he's like too into his own head. And it's one of the few movies that the love is there, but is completely like neither of them admit it. And neither of them catch it. That they both love each other. And it's just this Again, it's kind of this weird, bittersweet, much like kind of... The, it's a little bit less obvious than the ending of La La Land, but it's definitely a bittersweet, like, they go their own ways. They they make the, the album, it's damn good, and they go their own ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sad. And if I have to... There's a couple of songs in it. One is the one that won the Oscar. Hands down, won them the Oscar. It's called Falling Slowly. And great song. The song is him. This is ultimately like when he falls in love with her, and it's all about like him singing about somebody else. But then, you know, as the song goes on, you can tell that he's singing it to her, and she's playing the piano for the first time and like is trying to learn the music, and he's just, no, this person's special. But it's it's like one of these really well done subtle. They're just in a in a piano store t- like playing. But the other one that uh, almost I love more than Falling Slowly is called The Hill. It's Marquita Urglova alone in a room playing a piano, and it's all about the husband. Ooh. And it's walking up the hill tonight, and like and you are and you're there, but I I don't know who you are. And it's like this, I love you, but I don't remember you because it's been so long. And it's just like really, really sad song that she's singing all alone. And he eventually comes and kind of sits next to her. But she is basically saying that I have no idea who this person is that I'm married to. I love you still, but I don't know who you are anymore. And it's just such a well done song. And the entire movie, I mean, it is shot for very cheap. There's no, they're like cinematographers, probably just John Carney, the director, but it's just such a well done movie. Uh, on that note, actually, the budget is a hundred was a hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. And it made twenty three million. Mm-hmm. That's it won an Oscar. That's a hell of a return on investment. Yep. I've also met the two of them twice. Wow. Uh, they ended up making a documentary called The Swell Season because they made a band called The Swell Season. And it's about, it's ultimately about where they went after once um, because they did become a couple. Um, 
in real life. Oh. Much mirroring this because they like fell in love like when they realized that they're perfect complement to each other. And it's about ultimately their relationship did break down and it's like what happened after once. And it was a really good documentary if you ever want to kind of, if you loved once and you want to know what happened to kind of while they're making the movie and then what happened after. It's a really, it's a really damn good movie, but I really, really enjoyed um, Swole Season. And once, just wow. Uh, it's since been made into a Broadway play. Which I'm curious to see, but I think it'll kind of like with. I think it's more of an off-Broadway play, and I'm like, okay, I'm curious to see it, but it 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 kind of loses something being up on a stage because that intimate, like just Glenn Hansard like belting out, you know, like when the healing has begun, kind of like thing, and then like ultimately you realize no, the healing's not begun. You're just saying that you're lying to yourself, and it's yeah. just it loses a little something. Yeah, and. Glenn Hansard, I I'm now a big fan of the the frames. He is, God, I love his voice. He is just such a such a good like guitarist, and he's not like a very technical guitarist. He's just he can make write really good songs. He's Ed Sheeran. I I like Ed Sheeran. I'm <laughs> no, nothing against him. I, 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 I like him too. But that's yeah, the thing. It's like I, like I wouldn't Sheeran. Call, I wouldn't call him a technical guy, but he get, yeah. he hits you in the yeah, field. He's a good singer. He's a damn yeah. good. He hits yeah. you right where it's where it's important. Yeah. And but yeah, Glenn Hansard and once just wow. And uh, John Carney ended up going on to make Sing Street, which is like the leveled up version of Once. Now with a now the band in with the eighties. <laughs> yeah, now the band in the eighties, and it's very similar. The guy trying to impress the the model and and all that. But yeah, yeah. I and I I love Sing Street, but yep, me too. That I've was... been fighting like which do I want to put on here, and I'm like I got there, and I'm like. Once, Jesus. If we had done a top five, Sing Street was my number five. So Sing Street probably would be be there. Whiplash, Sing Street, Once, La La Land, and Heartbeat Loud would be my top five. Just kind of mixed up. Yeah. So, my number four was Anna and the Apocalypse. But Anna and the Apocalypse did make my short list. Um, I just couldn't quite put it above Heartbeat Loud. Which I didn't realize. Just on the same day. Sarah Swire, who plays. Uh, the yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the main characters she is actually the choreographer mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that until I was doing some more research for this I was like holy smokes that's awesome yeah. um, I'm a really big fan of uh, that musical yeah, it's just a fun zombie okay Christmas zombie British comedy high school musical high school musical, musical. comedy yeah yeah it is such a mess of... Must stop me right now because, work. oh my God, that sounds... I lo- it's such a fun movie. It's such a great movie. I have the poster upstairs. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I also want to mention Nightmare for Christmas. Uh, again, it. I absolutely love Nightmare for Christmas. It's the reason I'm, I became a filmmaker. But I, I felt bad putting it on my list because I've already used it for a different list. And You got one you want to mention, Tom? Uh, I had a couple of really quick ones that I think definitely deserve it. You got two Um, you want to mention, Tom? Literally two that I want to mention. Uh, Singing in the Rain. Uh, That that was going to be one of mine. (laughs) I like Singing in the Rain. It's one of my... Gene Kelly. Yes, it's one of my favorites. Uh, Came out in 1952. Um, And then the other one, because I I agree that it's an amazing film. Maybe not Rotten Tomatoes number one amazing, but uh, The Wizard of Oz from 1939. Yeah, I I like Wizard of Oz. It, it was good. It, it, it technically speaking, it was definitely ahead. It of took it. steps in the right direction that 
for cinema cinema period that I can respect most. Yeah, I can respect that. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, one of them singing the rain for me. Uh, The other one, I will say, the Blues Brothers. Okay, I forgot about the Blues Brothers. Uh, I noticed it. It's it's fine. It's it's a it's a fun jazz romp. Yeah, and. Jazz. It's jazz. <laughs> the next movie by Damien Chazelle, the Blues Brothers sequel. Wow. You know what? I better watch it. I super I watch it. I would. Wa- I'm gonna watch whatever Damien Chazelle does. I would. I would honestly watch that. But no. It, Same thing with Carney. It's a. It's a fun. It's also one. It's one of those ones that people don't think of as musicals. Yeah. But it's yeah. the whole thing is just. That's a face that we'll get to. I in just a remembered second. a movie that. Holy crap. Okay, just it's one funny. second. It's a, I love a lot of the music in it. Uh, jazz isn't necessarily my, my genre. I'm definitely more of the rock and metal guy. But, like, Rawhide, uh, what, whatever Ray Charles once was, I cannot remember it. Um, but you got Aretha Franklin doing Respect. Yeah. And Jailhouse Rock. That's that's one of the big ones that everybody thinks. If it's not Jailhouse Rock, it's Minnie the Moocher by Cab Calloway. Are you kidding me? They got Cab Calloway to actually do it, do a song in there. It's like that. That's a good one. Like right. yeah, it's either it's either Minnie the Moocher or Jailhouse Rock for me. That just stands out as some of the like the biggest ones. Yeah. Uh, some of my other ones. Um, I mentioned Nightmare and in the Apocalypse. Uh, I really want to mention Coco. Yes. The, I still need to see it. To me, it's one of Pixar's most solid movies, and I love Pixar. But uh, the song "Remember Me," the like three different versions of it—the one that's like the stolen one, the one by the father, and then the one from the child trying to remember or trying to get his grandma to remember his own. Yeah, it's the it's the thing that holds the whole song, the whole movie together. It's it's such an unbelievably well done movie. What made you make that face, Devin? Um. Oh. uh... There's a movie that <laughs> is so damn obscure that I completely... Free- it was one of the midnight movies that I saw. Oh. Uh, it's called The History of Future Folk. Yeah, yeah, I was expecting that those faces. Um, so it's about invaders from outer space. Uh, oh, we're off to a great start. Yeah. So it's invaders from outer space who land here wanting to conquer the planet but find bluegrass music. Oh, so boy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. This song, I, I, I haven't seen this movie in years, so I can't say much about it, but um, the the like lead song is Space Worms, and it's, I grew up on my planet farming space worms. <laughs> and it's just like, it's such a weird I, juxtaposition. I don't know why, Devin, <laughs> but you saying that somehow made me think of the scene from Mars Attacks with the yodeling. Yeah, yeah it. the movie is really, really weird. For me, it made me think of uh, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, but <laughs> the way like, you put it, like I was just like, oh, okay. Imagine oh. people in like red plastic. It's another really low budget, like red plastic, like you trash, say. trash can with a cutout face holding a banjo singing about space worms. Oh my God. Yeah, it, it's a really funny movie. That sounds oh. like something you put on, get drunk and laugh at. It was a midnight movie. I saw it with a couple of friends and it was fun. Get drunk <laughs> and laugh at. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I do want to mention Air Guitar Nation. It's the documentary about the international air guitar champions in Finland. <laughs> of I wanted course. to put it on here. I was 
honestly thinking about putting it in my top three just to talk about it, it but it's a bunch of dudes hanging out air guitar and like C. Diddy who was a, a Chinese guy with a giant like Hello Kitty breastplate and like red red linen you know what and I'm like we're gonna gonna, gonna put the kibosh on this because me and me and Tom are having our brains melt right now there's also Bjorn Turok no no (laughs) we're we're done and the last one is Repo Genetic Opera that one was honestly my number three but it's been so long since I've watched it I couldn't remember enough about the actual story but the the music is awesome I know that's one of my sister's favorite movies I, she loves that movie. I love the music. I love Legal Assassin, uh, Anthony Stewart Head's he, song. He is a great... He's got such a great voice. It's like Repo Man, but the musical. So there's yeah. one that I would like to mention. It's not oh, officially... for God's sake. Hold on. Dr. It's Horrible? the last one. Yes, it's yeah. not officially a musical. It was a web yeah. series. Dr. Horrible Sing Along Blog. That's... Yeah. That's the music in there is just amazing. Uh, the Whedon Brothers, basically. <laughs> Zach... Jeb and Josh Whedon, yeah, and uh, Marissa Tancherin, yes. um, who did all of Penny's songs. Also, they wrote commentary the musical, which is the commentary that plays over the over the sing along blog on the DVD. Yeah, I bought the book. Yeah, the Doctor Horrible. Oh yeah, I have all that. I and cosplay Doctor Horrible, so I, you know I can't say much. Right, and I <laughs> I can. Like, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it, James. No, no, I don't. I don't but think I do. Like, it's not that long. It's only like an dude. It's hour. Nathan Fillion as like a wannabe Superman. I hate the fact that that actually really entices me. <laughs> and and yeah. he's a giant. Everyone's dick. a hero. And he's a giant dick. It's Nathan Fillion. Yeah. I love this Nathan guy. Fillion, Neil dicks. Patrick Harris. I mean, come on. Neil Patrick Harris is Dr. Horrible. Felicia Day is hey, Penny. Okay, she's not, she's not a big selling point for me. I don't. Yeah. I kind of am Felicia Day. Yeah. Um, but still, like, Bad Horse is actually a horse. <laughs> give it a give it a shot. It's, it's three 15-minute long. <laughs> yeah, it's three 15-minute long episodes. Everything so I hate. 45 minutes long. I hate everything. <laughs> Yeah, but you're Nathan Fillion as Captain Hammer. Yep. No, no, that's that's the most intriguing <laughs> yeah. part, and I, I hate that. That's the that, that's the. I love I love Nathan Fillion. He's in, he's a he's a troll. I mean, I've we did westerns, right? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but you already used Serenity. Damn it. After all, your home is where your heart is. So your heart is in your chest. <laughs> or your home is in your he's chest, rather. Dumbass. I lo- but but yeah, that's our that's our musicals. Uh, this coming week. The week of what, uh, June sixth, something like that. Yeah, sixth, seventh. Um, Sounds about right. We have the Secret Life of Pets two. Woohoo! Shovel horror movie, and X Men Dark Phoenix. You know, I Sansa Stark uh, snap. Maybe show some motion. Unless I hear what. <laughs> like, you know what? what? You've summed up a lot of my problem with Apocalypse right there. Yeah. I don't. I don't buy it. I don't buy anything she's trying to sell me. I don't. That that's that's the one hundred percent my problem. I do not. I cannot buy what she's selling. Let's see me. if the ice queen will thaw. Fastbender, everything he. I, I love Fastbender. Fastbender was one of the best parts of Apocalypse because I felt for that man. Yeah. He, I hurt when he got hurt. I feel nothing for. I love James McAvoy. I will say James McAvoy. He's another Fastbender. He those, those two, two sell it single-handedly carry that movie. Yep, but it's. I feel like anything with with Gene, I don't. I don't care. Yeah. It, it's basically it's. Ba- a lot of it 
if you want to compare it to, say, Brightburn, it's like he she's basically becoming a god and taking it out on everyone else yeah. for reasons. Oh, speaking of Brightburn, I do like uh, the guy who played Wade Watts in uh, Ready Player One. Oh, who was that? He, he plays Cyclops. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There right. was a weird segue in there. No, yeah. no, there wasn't. To you, me. No, I had to think about that for a second. I'm like, oh, yeah. I can't remember the character, the actor's name. Yeah. The guy who plays. No, I like him, though. You know what? I'll agree. Cyclops is actually pretty good. I like um, that we get to see his uh, origin. Yeah. Same thing with uh, the guy who plays Beast, Nick, uh, Nicholas uh, Holt. Nicholas Holt, yeah. yeah I, he, I really come to everything I've seen. I won't, I won't lie. I don't care for Mystique here. No, I, I prefer Rebecca Romaine Stainless. Like oh, I love, she was great. I love Jennifer Lawrence. I think she's a great actress, but she's not the right pick. Right. Yeah, I think uh, Days of Future Past. She had some pretty good looking scenes. Yes. I, you then, know what? I almost, I almost want to say they probably should have flipped <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence as Jean, and that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, it's way too late for that. Point, I think but her it. attack on Bolivar Trask. In the boardroom, it was great, but Oof. the rest of the movie was just kind. Of, or she was like okay in the rest of the movie. So. And then I really like, not gonna lie, I really like Ellen Page as Kitty Pride. Yeah, that, yeah, that, she fit. I loved her as Kitty Pride. Then again, I also liked her in the movie Super. But <laughs> so Bolte. I can. God, Bolte <laughs> fucked me out. Anyway, I can definitely say I'm not looking forward to Dark Phoenix. I might, if I hear a lot of good hubbub, I might check it out, but I'll probably wait till after it's out on Blu-ray. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna end up checking it out because oh, yeah. I'm gonna see it. I mean, I've seen everything else. Yeah, I've yeah. seen all the others. I might as well see this one. I'm skipping Secret Life of Pets because I skipped the first and don't care. I really liked the first one, and not gonna lie, the little shorts with all the animals doing their own little thing. I, they're cute and funny, and I like them. I'm not gonna lie. I'll I can see guy. you and that little bunny. Yeah, you have very similar personality there. You yeah, do. <laughs> you know, I, I I saw this though. It was it was years ago. It was called Oliver and Company. I don't need this shit. Uh, <laughs> I loved Oliver and Company. It's a great one. <laughs> Billy Joel, baby. Yeah. Well, also uh, in Blues Brothers. We'll figure out something for next week. Probably something to do with Kaiju. Let's be honest. That's uh, that's the big thing coming up this week. Yeah, yep. that's legitimately yeah, literally. It's big the thing. biggest thing. Yeah, <laughs> we'll figure out something. Yeah, not positive yet, but figure we'll something to out. That. Yeah, <laughs> let you know next week. So, yeah. For in the can podcast, I'm Devin. I'm Tom. I'm James. And we will be back next week with big things in the shape of monsters or robots or aliens. We'll see. Who knows? Go see movies. Go see movies.